Hello and welcome Under the Kotatsu. I am your host, Austin, joined as always by Danny. Hello. And Danielle. Hey, nerds. Uh, and we are back. The summer of Wixos rages on. This blistering heat caused by these hot card games that <laughs> are sometimes being played in these episodes. Um, but before we, uh, uh, we talk about any of that, um, what is everybody drinking? I will go first because I am drinking water. Because in case you can't hear, my throat is very sore. Uh, Danny, uh, what about feeling you? under the weather? Or? Uh, uh, it's like allergies, I guess. Yeah. Feel fine otherwise, but man, woke up with a real sore throat. Oh, um, and I'm drinking a can of Squirt, which is mm-hmm. a grapefruit soda. <laughs> We've definitely gone down this rabbit hole before, yeah. <laughs> but I love that name so much. Yeah, no, I thought about getting Fresca, and then I saw the can of the the box of Squirt, and I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> what am I doing if I don't get that? Squirtin' kind of man. Uh, what about you, Daniel? <laughs> I am drinking a nice coffee because it continues to be hot as shit out here because I have about three more months of summer to go. <laughs> I would melt. I'd melt and die. Phoenix um, is a monument to man's hubris. Speaking of monuments to man's hubris, uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about anime. So, <clears throat> still my pick, but we're technically changing shows just because... Uh, uh, the Selector Wixaw series is like broken up into two seasons. Second season is called Selector Spread Wixaws. So we have talked about, or we have, we've watched and we will now talk about the first six episodes of Selector Spread Wixaws. Uh, I have some quick notes just at the front before we get into it. Um, the staff on the show is mostly the same as the previous season. Um, director, series composer, etc., there's like one notable addition, which is there's an additional script writer, um, which I wasn't going to mention, uh, except uh, his um, uh, kind of bibliography is uh, interesting. Um, the additional script writer, I think he wrote like three episodes, um, is Kamoshida uh, Hajime, uh, who wrote the light novel series for um, the for uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, and also his his prior series, which I know nothing about, but uh, it had a Wikipedia page, <laughs> so I assume some people know <laughs> of it, uh, called The Pet Girl of uh, Sakura So. Um, oh, those are the same person? Huh. Yep, apparently. Uh, and then he's also uh, written some episodes for Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, he also wrote, I think, two spin-off manga for that series um, and is writing an upcoming Gundam manga for, I assume, Gundam Age uh, called um, Mobile Suit Gundam 8, which has like no details about it other than like it's a brand new thing. It's not set in any of the existing uh, universes. But I thought that was interesting that uh, he's on this season. Um, less episodes of this season are written specifically by Mario Kata, but obviously she still has the same uh, credit as a series composer. Um, But let's just get into it. Uh, Episode one is called This Curtain Rises Silently. Um, Following the incident from the end of the last season, Ruko has been trying to have, uh, tried to have fun spending time with Hitoe and Yuzuki, but is still troubled by her memories of Tama. Stumbling across a Wixos tournament in a market, they are approached by Chiori, who challenges them to a battle. Uh, they refuse and try to explain the true nature of Wixos to Chiori, showing her uh, what happened to Yuzuki, but Chiori remains deluded by her fantasies. Meanwhile, Ruko continues to be troubled by Iona, whose wish was to become Ruko's Larig. Uh, despite her refusal to battle, Ruko can't bring herself uh, to throw her away, as she believes Iona might be uh, her key to finding Tama again. Uh, if that sounds slight, that's because nothing happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of, like, it starts with a montage of them just, like, having fun, which, like, coupled with the 
The high drama of the last episode felt very strange that they didn't immediately follow up on that. Um, but they, they kind of did, but they kept kind of like, like no one's still talking to each other in a way that's really like frustrating where it's like, Ruka's like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this and that and this and that. And it's like, just, just fucking talk to Hitoe or, or Yuzuki or someone about this. Like, you're just like agonizing over, over all of this stuff and for, like for no reason, like you're just like, oh, I'm so, I'm such an anime protagonist. But yeah, um, all, all of my notes, uh are either small things about like oh stop complaining that you're having ice cream in winter like that's that's a banging idea or uh hating on chiori and her her la rig yeah chiori is um uh quite literally too good for this show she should be the main character i i I like chiori (laughs) i like i like her too I, I just don't like her, I don't like, I like her, I don't like her Lurig being like, oh, like, for one, I don't like her voice actor. The voice actor oh. for her Lurig kind of sucks, IMO. Um, but I just don't like that, like, oh, like, sorry about that, she just gets like this. It's like, no, let her be an, a little <laughs> goblin. Like, let her the entire time be like, yeah, I want to become a Lurig because I think that'd be fucking cool. I think I like the the stuff with her Lurig because it's, it's- much more funny than anything else in the show, which also makes it feel kind of out of place. Um, mm. Which is why I'm like, Shiori should just be the main character, and this should be a different kind of show. Because <laughs> um, she, you know, I'm going to go back to the well time and time again. She feels much more out of a show with the tone of like Yu Gi Oh, right? Um, where I don't know, she has a personality that's not like I'm sad and wistful all the time, <laughs> uh, which is a nice change of pace from things. And part of the reason, I guess, why I think about it, like, probably why I like Akira so much is because she also has a personality that's not that, it's just that her twisted, her personality is, ooh, I'm so twisted. Um, Slash, ooh, I'm an abuse victim. <laughs> but we'll get <yeah>. to that. <laughs> uh, funny to me that this episode was, like, half lore recap, because it's just, like, Hitoe and um, Ruko explaining all the lore stuff they learned in the last season to Chiori, in case you're someone watching the show that didn't watch the first season, or didn't finish the first season. Yeah, no, and it's just a bunch of like, oh, I I remember this happening, and I, like literally just showing scenes from the finale of last season, um, and then Ruko is like so overwhelmed with her battle lust that she has to just run away, like she's <laughs> like, I can't handle this, I'm leaving, and I think I, that's a good like, I think why I like don't like Chiori is like you said, like she should be in a different show, so anytime it cuts to her being like goofy and stuff, I get annoyed because. I'm still like, wait a minute, what about all that high drama? Like, aren't we going to get this show kind of rolling? And instead, we have to, like, pause for you know, five minutes or whatever with uh, Chiori making a bunch of poses and then Ruko and uh, Itoe, like, waxing philosophic about the the futility of battling and all this other stuff. It's like, no, just like, come on, let's keep going. Yeah, I was kind of just waiting for the show to be like, all right, give me some plot contrivance so we can have stuff happening again. Like, kind of the vibe of this episode was like, um, this might be a weird comparison, but it's like a um, tabletop game where everyone's character doesn't want to engage with the plot at all. So, like, mm. nothing happens, and the, uh, like, um, the DM or GM is, like, working really hard to, like, get someone to start to do something. <laughs> yeah, the the GM in this case is Iona, or I guess Ulith as Iona, I guess. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, and, uh, uh, I, I do, I do want to give props. I did get a kick out of, um, like, so they, they run into Chori at, like, 
the the girl meet girl festival which is like a larig festival like you saw in season one um but just a fantastic name um and um they point out like like they ask like oh were you at the uh thing that the that yona put on like the the end of season or season one like Mm -hmm. where they're at the tower or whatever the tournament yeah, and Shiori points out that she was not there because she got lost, and they they cut to her bursting into the the site, being like, "Open, like let's battle!" But there's just a bunch of like construction workers sitting there pouring green tea or whatever. I thought that was funny. Like it's like, oh yeah, like you guys remembered that she wasn't there. Like, you introduced her as a character, and then realized like, oh shit, we forgot to like have her in the scene where all selectors are there. Whoopsies. Um, so I, I got I got a kick out of that. But yeah, that's the only positive I'll say. <laughs> um, I do, in a general sense, like um, the scene towards the beginning of just Hitoe, Yuzuki, and um, Ruko like, actually getting to be friends and do like stuff together. Um, even if it's both short-lived and just like colored by like Ruko still being like traumatized about the stuff that happened with Tama. Which I guess is like... <clears throat> you know, we're talking about how like nothing happens in this episode, and I think in general these six episodes really stretch in terms of plot. And part of it is like I don't really get, or like there's not enough stakes to anything that's happening. The only drive that like Ruko, Hitoe, and Yusuke have is like, oh, we got to save Tama. But in like a nebulous way, it's like, what does that mean? Like just finding her, making her not a Larig? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? And like also like. You know, we talked about this in season one. Like, Tama's not a character. She's like a Digimon, but she's not as cute as a Digimon is. You know, like, <laughs> she just she just meows and goes, I want a battle. And, like, that's her character. So I'm like, I don't know if I, if I was like a, a fucked up little 14 year old girl like everybody in the show, I would probably be like, eh, I'd get over it. <laughs> like, in like a week. Like, I've got my, my two other friends, or, um, yeah, my two other friends, uh, Hitoe and Yuzuki, around. Like, that's, that's fine. I'll just hang out with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, that's, one of the reasons why I like kind of appreciated the um, Iona uh, Rico dynamic a lot more this in this batch of episodes because it's like, hey, we actually get to see something happening between Ruko and her little rig compared yeah, to Tama just kind of being there. Even if it's just, um, uh... I mean, Iona just wants to make her worse, and I'm here for that. But the, the show <laughs> could go further. <laughs> Well, and and Ruko just the entire time being like, no, I don't want to fight with you. I want to fight with Tama. And you want know, to be like, wow, fuck me, I guess. Like, I can't like, believe I, I totally lost to you for get, this. <laughs> I totally get the Ruko doesn't want to battle thing, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need to, like, get it moving a bit faster than the show does. Yeah, that, that should have been the arc of the first season. And now this season, she's, like, okay with battling. But once Tama back or something. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, just have it as, like, one episode until she realizes I'm going to have to become an eternal girl to save Tama. Like, fine. Because <laughs> we have our stakes set up and everything. Yeah, but even... Mm, <laughs> we'll get to it, because even by the end of the six episodes, like, the stakes of, like, what anybody's actually going to do to resolve their desires is is huge question marks um but um god what was i gonna say uh i don't like how um uh, uh, well here's here's a specific example and i'll lead to more general <laughs> there's it, it's part of the flashback 
when they flash back to like what happened immediately after the the battle at the end of uh, the first season where um i think hitoe is talking to iona now as a larig and she's like so your wish came true because you lost to ryuko how is that possible <laughs> and iona's response is literally just that doesn't matter anymore it's like <laughs> you can't <laughs> you can't gaslight me like this you can't be like ah eh, the reasons don't matter like it is what it is it's like fuck off uh like why should i have any investment in what's going on if like you're never going to explain to me why things happen in the show um but just more generally like i don't like how like Iona's clearly playing like a long game in the same way that like ulith is like there's a reason she wanted to become a larig and there's also like mentioned throughout these episodes of like part of her wish not coming true yet um but the fact that she doesn't even like drop hints at um ruko about what any of that could be other than like you know <laughs> he 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 i have some secret motive that you won't learn about until episode 11 um is just it it's like in terms of plot all that happened in these 18 episodes we've now watched could easily be condensed into like four like there's just not a lot of actual plot happening it's just characters kind of like spinning wheels until it's time for the plot to happen because we need to make x number of episodes of this anime this is all stuff we talked about last time i think but like it's even more apparent in these um first six episodes of season two yeah and um kind of going going to that uh the way this episode really starts is another like you know the first season started with like tama being like this ghoul thing and it's never really explained in this one she's like tama and iona are like fighting as the rigs seemingly within a card um and iona goes you know uh your wish and my wish i i feel like they're the same uh, why then are you crying? Referring to uh, Ruko crying on the 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 top of the the, the tower, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, what does that mean? Like, you know, her wish was to stop everyone from being the rigs and like stop the cycle. How how is you becoming her the rig? Part of that, um, how like what is this space they're fighting within? Um, it made no no sense, and and like the season one. Uh, Tama being a little ghoul monster thing, I don't think it's going to be addressed. <laughs> it wasn't addressed last season. I don't think it'll be addressed this season. Feels like it has more potential to be just like a flash forward to like the finale of the season, whereas like the the thing in the season one is purely just like eh, it's imagery. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. not going to matter. It's just oh, that's a cool visual. Um, yeah, no. and fine, and, I guess. Yeah, and I I did have a a note later on. Uh, let me see if I can find it, but. But yeah, no, it's just like a bunch of people with plans and I it's but like they they don't describe them to the audience enough that my note was I've lost track of who wants to battle and who doesn't and why and why battling is a good thing or a bad thing for each character and what each character hopes to get out of each battle. Like yeah. It it keeps fluctuating between yes, I'll fight, no I won't fight, um losing is good, winning is good um you know i i need this number of number of wins to to loot like to get my wish whatever my wish is the only person who i can like get a solid bead on what their wish was i guess is hitoe and yuzuki because theirs is at least like concrete and something that they described and i get like if characters don't know other people's plans like that's fine that's that's drama but the audience needs to know something it can't everyone can't be scheming and have the plot work like yeah someone needs to have a straightforward plan 
that other people can convene on, but at this point, there's no plan at all. It's just we need to get Tama, whatever that means. Hmm. From where and how, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> and then Ulith has her. How? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, I that's that's probably my chief complaint is like i don't i don't understand any of the character motivations except for ruko but like she has no like drive towards here's how i'm gonna achieve my goal or here's how i think i'm gonna achieve my goal it it genuinely just feels like she's like you know following the path that the narrative has set for her but like has no active like part of like um making that path um and it's not like madoka where the point is she's being dragged along by everyone else yeah if if ruka was like the one character that was like that but her being like that on top of me not having a good read on any other character except for like i guess we'll get to it but i at least understand what the show is doing with akira even if i don't like it um in this season but um i think that's like a you know unfortunate exception um but anyway, I think we can talk about some of that stuff in later episodes. Um, I had a couple more notes, uh, which I am now forgetting. Oh, I do have a note <laughs> contradicting you, Danny. Of um, I actually think Eldora's uh, VA is great. Um, she's like, she plays, um, uh, we brought her up uh, in the last episode, but uh, Arai Satomi, she plays these kinds of characters in a lot of different things. Um, I think she's just very good at being like a comedic relief character, even if... Um, this isn't the kind of show that calls for that, but I do just like the way her and um, Chiori bounce off each other is very fun to me, and I think a lot of that comes through the the voice acting for me. I at some point in my notes, I'll, I'll I guess I'll read it eventually. <laughs> I wrote something down that was akin to like, if the show didn't have this one thing in it, I would just be losing my mind, and it might be like Chiori. Like Chiori's really holding the season together for me. <laughs> Um, oh, this is the other note I have is I love her being like obsessed with the light novelization of this card game that they all play, even though, again, in the world, none of that makes sense to me, like how that works. But uh, even though we get more of that in a later episode, but I like her like recounting the lore from the light novels. And she's like, uh, they're like, <laughs> they're trying to be really serious with her and be like, you know, this is a serious thing we're doing. You could, you could like end up with this tragic fate. And she's like, Oh, but I do know, I know that death awaits those that lose seven times. The Wixos factors spread inside your body. And then you go kaboom and squish and splat. I'm like, damn, she's literally just describing a better show. <laughs> um, yeah. I love her so much. I, I was screaming. Cause in episode four, that's when they finally go or episode four of the season. That's when they finally go like, wait a minute. You have a novelization. We should look into that. I was like screaming this whole time, like, yeah. come on. Like, she is clearly mentioning things that you know about. Like, it's, like she, like, I think it's Yuzuki literally goes in like episode four, like, wait a minute. You mentioned the room in white. That means that they know about Mayu. And it's like, you're just now realizing that? Like, she didn't just then mention the room in white. She said it early, like, way earlier on. Yeah. And she, they're finally like, wait a minute. That's a good point. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, really? You are about ten episodes late for that, ma'am. <laughs> um, I have one more thing I want to point out, which is, um, uh, in my notes, I just made a bullet point anytime I thought the audio was atrocious. You know, just to keep a running tally here to kind of see how often it comes up. And first one happens at the end of this episode where there's like a like a Death Note style series of shots of like just like Ulith as Iona walking around. Uh, like tokyo and she's got like uh oh i'm so twisted i've got 
plans within plans kind of smile at her and then it like cuts to the end of the episode and my note on that is just sound crimes and then a screenshot of her stupid little smile and then i go ugh um (laughs) Mm. uh but that's basically the first episode um i i will say ruko's brother comes back at the beginning of this episode and like ruko's like going out to go see uh hitoi and yuzuki and he's like oh doesn't like doesn't your care your kind big brother get a hug and i was like yeah your kind big brother who last time we saw him slapped you in the face because you were like worrying your grandma uh and then ruko's like no i don't think we should hug and i'm like good there's enough incest in this show we don't need more of it because the way it's framed is like like he's like oh i was rejected and it's like ew don't say it like that Maybe my my incest alarm was like on high alert already because of Yuzuki, but like I was like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Yeah, I wasn't reading that, but no, oh, I know, I know it's not the intention, <laughs> but I I just don't trust uh, Mario Kata anymore. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was intentional, but my mind was definitely going to the same place of like, yeah, no, there's there's more than enough brother sister love in, in the show enough already. <laughs> Okay, I feel like I was definitely in a different headspace when I was watching these episodes than you two were. <laughs> like, I I feel like I kind of had, like, a bit of a reset rather than um dragging in all the my issues the last episode, which will probably end up showing in how I, I feel like I'm definitely going to come down kinder on the show than y'all are. I was mostly oh. willing to give the season a chance, and I was, like, I was kind of, like, okay like they're hanging out they're doing different things at the beginning of this episode but then by the end of it i was just like nothing fucking happened in that 24 minutes uh and that just didn't set a good uh precedent for the rest of these episodes um yeah and i'm i'm all for a breather episode but when it feels like 80 percent of the episodes are just wheel spinning it's like well like i guess this is a breather episode but it's no different from any of the other like non-consequential episodes like you said like this you know this whole thing could be condensed really compact like this these two seasons could have been one absolutely um so some yeah, might I, say they could even I be coming down harder one movie <laughs> apparently ah um <laughs> uh, yeah yeah well right now i'm calling it now this is like i mean we kind of talked about this last episodes this does like it feels like a knockoff Madoka in all that it entails, mm-hmm. in that it's it's a worse version of Madoka, and Madoka is not something that I'm particularly fond of to begin with. So, I uh, I'm not probably not going to be singing praises uh, from here on out, unfortunately. Um, well, with that, let's just go into episode two which is called The Bond is Feverish. Um, It is revealed that Akira, who became a recluse after receiving her scar, was approached by Ulith, who now possesses Iona's body. She convinces Akira Akira that she loves her and pulls her out of her reclusion. Using Iona's position in their modeling agency, Ulith helps Akira get her career back on track though eventually asked for something in exchange. Later, as Hitoe and Yuzuki learn that Akira is seeking out selectors, Akira appears before Ruko and Iona, challenging them to a battle with her new Larig, Milulun. Uh, Ruko quickly becomes overwhelmed by Akira, who narrowly avoids defeat uh, when their match is interrupted by a security guard. Iona is confused why Ruko isn't able to battle seriously anymore, to which Ruko laments that she isn't able to have fun in battles without Tama and her friends with her. Meanwhile, Chiori is approached by Ulith. That's pretty much when the episode ends. Um, so yeah, uh, what's going on with Akira in this season? The uh, the star model Akira 
just now finds out that makeup artists exist. Yeah. It's it's fucking wild. <laughs> like she's like, "What? Makeup? Oh my god, I can I can conceal this like moderate mild to moderate scar on my face with just like a little bit of concealer and like foundation." Oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> it's like, "Really? That's like and wait, why did you go from I'm wearing a hockey mask with a knife to just a recluse? Why are you letting Iona, like, abuse you? Stop. Stop it now. So, I don't want to sound like an ass here, but uh, I find the um, Ulith, like, Akira stuff the most compelling part of the season. Because it's like, oh, here's the fucked up drama that I was expecting from the show. I finally got it, and I'm here for it, honestly. I, I, yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, so my, my problem with it, I, I actually made a note about this because I know that it's not like a, it's not unco- like in, in any sort of like erotic or like romantic thing, whether it's Yuri, Yaoi, straight, whatever for, for like abuse, like fucked up relationships, like, you know, that sort of thing is a thing, whatever. My problem is that the show is not about that. So anytime they're like, abuse comes up it's never really like commented on like it just kind of happens and then it goes to another scene and that's where it rubbed me the wrong way like if the show was like about akira having this misfortune where her face got scarred and then like her this this would be like out of the context of there being like a card game but if there, if there was like a, a show that was like Akira is like a rising model, her face gets scarred, and then someone like gives her the path back to stardom and like is treating her like shit the entire time, and like the show like really was interested in that kind of dynamic, that'd be one thing. Uh, but in this, the show does not, I don't think, really doesn't care. It's just like, oh yeah, they're both villains, so they're both like fucked up. Oh yeah, and it's like, eh, whatever, like yucky. It's not, it's not like good abuse, Yuri. If that makes sense. Or, like, it's not, like, uh, deep. <laughs> Respectfully disagree. I'm very here for it. But I, I, I recognize it's not going to be for everyone, but I'm very oh, here sure. for it. I do feel like the show, just through, like, the um, framing and sound design, makes it pretty obvious that it's like, yeah, this is fucked up shit happening. Um, even though it's not, like, explicitly saying, hey, please don't abuse people. Um, yeah, I imagine this is easily the most divisive part of the second season i just don't find it very compelling like it's i don't really have like a like a hard take on it i'm just like it doesn't do anything for me because they're like one akira was a character i liked when she had a more active role in the story and was just kind of like you know again acting towards her own goals but now she's just like ulith's puppet and i don't know what the fuck ulith is all about um and it, it in part doesn't feel true to akira's character anything that that she's doing in the season um uh, or that it's like built up well too like i'm not i'm not against like them making this pull with these characters it just doesn't feel earned and i also don't think it's written very compelling like i don't i don't think any of the dialogue the two of them have like does anything for me um and it's mostly mostly just because like they're not characters to me or at least like akira's just a different character now mm. and i still don't know what the fuck Willis deals about so i mostly just kind of roll my eyes at it whenever it comes up and like to your point, Danny, like when it does come up, I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I guess. Like it just it feels so discordant with the rest <laughs> of the show that it it's just another layer of like, what were they thinking? Like, what the fuck is Mario Kata's writing process like for this to be this much of a mess? because uh, it really is just a messy show. And not not a good yeah, kind of mess, it, to be clear. If 
Bakura had like almost like a Hitoe personality where she's like very like shy and, and timid and like Ulith is like, you know, nagging her into like the dark side that'd be one thing but like akira was already someone who's like on board with stabbing people like that's not above her um so it's just like this kind of weird like left turn where the last time we saw akira she was getting chased out of a building by a security guard for trying to stab two people um and now it's like oh she's this wilting flower she can't face the world she never heard of makeup and as soon as someone who has the body of someone she, like, despised so much that she made her wish about ruining her, she just says, you know, I've always adored you. And she's like, damn, you're right. L- lick my scar. Which, to be fair, in that scene, she, like, freaks out and, and runs away. But then they kind of come back to it later. But, um, but yeah, weird, weird turn of character. Um in a way that, like, beyond any sort of, like, I don't think the show is, like, saying, yes, abuse is good or anything. I don't think it's making a stance. But like you said, Austin, it's just not, it's not interesting. It's just kind of there, and I don't know. I, I, I wish it were a different character. I wish the dynamics were different. I wish it, I wish everything happened differently. Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say, I wish I was watching a different show. But, like, that's, you know, it's one of those things that, like, on the plus side, I think we've talked about this before, that there is a good show within this show. Like, there is a show that can happen out of this show, but it's just not this one. Yeah, yeah, I think on a lot of levels, show is just poorly conceived. Like, it's, you know, like a real solid premise, but they just, like, <laughs> made bad decision after bad decision, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And I feel like I, I should definitely like this more, I think, like this this style of plot. Um, but part of it is also, like, you know, as we talked about with the first episode, it's like we're two episodes in to... Um, uh this season and it's still not clear what the like overall plot or stakes of the season is and so all we've got to hang on to is like oh well i guess like uh you know akira's being uh manipulated and abused by ulith and yona's body to what end i don't know we're six episodes in i still don't know this isn't me like going back to my mindset of episode two i still do not know what the fuck is up with that character um not even like a guess. I I could not even uh like postulate a theory. <laughs> um, so it's just I don't know. It's it it's wasted op- opportunity because I think you know they could have handled this better. I'm definitely thinking having that scene in season one of Akira trying to like stab uh Hitoe and Ruko uh or I guess it was uh Ruko and Yuzuki was probably a mistake. <laughs> um, yeah. Because the disconnect between that's when we last see her and then suddenly this shit happens is is insane. Um, yeah, like her re- becoming a recluse and like clinging on to any tiny little bit of affection makes sense as like a trauma response. But the lashing out with the knife, not as much. Yeah, well, well that's what that. Oh, that's a good like we like you could have her be a recluse and then maybe she gets like angry. She's like, I'm going to go fuck up Ruko and like goes to like calls them to stab them or whatever and this 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 would happen in season two and then she as she's running away she gets picked up by ulith who then like it's like oh you're at such a low point why don't you just like get domed by me into being my henchman or something like that would actually like that makes sense like she her trauma response is is like shutting herself off and then like she becomes angry like by yeah maybe she sees news about something it's angry and then that's what drives her to like like, oh, I'm going to get revenge on Ruko and uh, Hitoe because, er, I hate them so much. Ulith is helping me, whatever. Like, that would at least make sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like, no, she just gets makeup. Yeah. I also wish, like, I think maybe my biggest issue with it, because Akira was a character I liked in season one because she was ridiculous. I think what this turn for her character does is it really just, like, deflates the things I liked about her. And there's almost something there where Iona keeps mentioning, uh, this I like, Iona keeps mentioning, like, oh, no, the reason I, like, adore you is because you're a sick, twisted little freak. <laughs> like, I want mm-hmm. you to keep doing shit like that. Um, but yet most of these episodes, like, Akira's really passive, and she's, like, she enjoys being doted on in, like, a kind of submissive way, which, like, just doesn't feel like the way her character would react to someone telling her, like, oh, no, I love you because you're a fucked up little demon girl. Like, she should, she's not, I, here's a condensed way to put it. She was the Joker in season one. She's not the Joker anymore. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but they de jokified her. She, she's, she's almost like Harley Quinn. Iona or Ulith is now the yeah, Joker. Yeah, it's like the show was like, oh, we 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 can't have multiple Jokers. Well, it's like Ulith is Ulith is the Joker, and Akira is like Harley Quinn, the the like person who gets like keeps getting nagged and but like keeps seeking her approval kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also yeah, that's also stuff I don't really like. The like that's actually a really good way to put it because Harley Quinn stops being an interesting character the minute she's paired up with the Joker, which is like her whole deal like as a character from the get go, but the she became a much more interesting character once they got her away from stuff like that. That's exactly how I feel about this stuff with Akira and Yona. Pair her up with Poison Ivy. Who's Poison Ivy in this show? Yes, yes. Jory? That's, <laughs> that's the relationship these two should have, where it's like, like, oh, we're both little sickos? Like, let's do sicko shit together and, like, revel in it instead of, like... Trying to out-sicko each Yeah, other. like, this, should, oh my God. this shouldn't be... Um, like, Akira shouldn't be... Or I shouldn't be watching this and thinking, oh, Akira's being abused by Ulith. I should be watching it and should be like, yes, the two sickos are working together now towards their master plan. Um, but they're not doing that. Um, so, disappointing. Um, it's time for uh, this week's segment of Evil Grandma Watch, because <laughs> I've got more, <laughs> more fuel for my personal fire. Um, there's a shot in the beginning of this episode of... I think like Ruko's having like a bad dream or something and it ends with somebody like a person like that's kind of like silhouetted. You only really see their hands and their like glowing eyes like crawling on a spider web. And my immediate thought was, is that grandma? Um, and then <laughs> literally the next scene, she wakes up and she goes out in the living room and grandma's like, oh, I was building a new deck while you were asleep. I'm like, I'm telling you, grandma's evil. Like, she's too good at this card game. <laughs> and we get more of that in a later episode. But I'm like, there's something fucking up with this grandma. I know I'm not going crazy. That's that's a big thing. Like, I remember that happening where, like, she, like, she always, like, how are you so strong, grandma? I'm like, yeah, how are you so strong, grandma? Hmm. I'm just going to be, I'm either going to be so vindicated when I'm right, or I'm just going to be extremely depressed that the show didn't have the balls to go for the evil grandma. Um. <laughs> the old evil grandma technique. <laughs> that's, that's how Stephen King puts it in Dance Macabre. You gotta go for the grandma. <laughs> 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 it's a joke for like three people. Um, Alright. Uh, what else even happens in this episode? I think it's mostly just the akira and ula stuff um yeah um i have a note at the end where i I assume it's ruko agonizing over the whole thing i can't enjoy battling which i apparently do enjoy it despite never really showing the fact that i enjoy it while i'm battling i just kind of there but like then tama says i like battling and i just i I don't disagree with her 
But I also need Tom... Oh, this is... Yeah, this is where she's saying, like, oh, I want to have fun while battling. But so she goes from, like, I can't battle to I need to have fun while battling, but I can only do that with Tama despite barely talking with her. But, like, also, she had mixed feelings about battling, but only a little bit towards the end there. So, like, eh. So it's it's very, very strange how they still are beating on the uh, is battling good or bad for Ruko? And it, does Tama like battling, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, not a very interesting tension to have for that character when we already went through that in season one, um, just with a different mm. Larig. Um, we meet a new Larig this episode, who is completely inconsequential to the plot thus far, uh, which I was very funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, Akira's got a new Larig. Uh, who's it going to be? Like, it has to be someone we know. Like, the show can't just be like, oh, here's another Larig. They don't matter. Like, oh, maybe it's... Um, um uh, yeah Midoriko, but uh nope it's just a new blue haired one that's not the other blue haired one that um akira had before that we've all forgotten about um i just think <laughs> it's so funny that they they say like um if you lose three times you'll be banished from ever being a selector yeah. again and you'll have your wish reversed unless like you just get like a new <laughs> card uh then your memories come back and like it's fine yeah unless you're a main character if if my anime list lists you as a support character it's fucking done for you you don't you don't get to come back but <laughs> if you're a main character i guess we'll let you back in there's at least some mention in another episode not that it's great but there's at least some mention of like you know mayu pulling the strings in a way that allows for stuff like that to happen um because of course she's a character that just gets to bend the rules of the the world um to fit the plot um but yeah kind kind of lame to me uh it also just like really underscores my thought that like oh this this is still a show that's kind of embarrassed that it has to do the card fight stuff because it clearly just like it doesn't really care <laughs> it's like oh yeah i guess akira has to have a new rig now so that they can battle because that is what the show is um oh uh fun fact about Lurig, by the way in the english dub it's l rig oh that's how I say um, girl as well in English. I say girl. <laughs> I guess they probably thought saying it like all as one word sounds hokey, but it sounds bad no matter how you say it. Because they literally just said, oh, they're going to be called girl, but backwards. It's <laughs> a thing they did. <laughs> they have to be called yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like one of those ideas that like was the first thing that went up on the whiteboard of ideas and then everything else was somehow worse so it's like ah well i guess we'll just go with the first idea <laughs> uh what would woman backwards be uh nam <laughs> namau oh. namau namau Nam <laughs> um shout outs to uh fake fast food joint in this episode burger jack i thought that was pretty good oh, you get yeah. it it's not burger king i liked it just combining the uh American and Australian name for Burger King. See what they're doing. Wait, what's the Australian name for Burger King? Hungry Jacks. Oh. Oh. I was thinking Jack in the Box. Yeah. But I was also just thinking, like, you know, Burger King, Burger Queen, Burger Jack. Like, like a deck of cards. Yeah. See, it works mm. on multiple levels. The writers of the show are genius. Or I guess... <laughs> Probably more <laughs> you likely. You know what? I actually like the show now. <laughs> Probably more likely, uh, the background artist of the show thought a little bit too hard about their job. So shoutouts to them. Because <laughs> um, I doubt that was something someone was like, "Oh, you're gonna draw this background, and it specifically has to be called Burger Jack." Um, anyway, love a love a fake fast food name in an anime. That's good shit. By the way, I I, uh, I got curious as to what is like because we talked about you know introducing a new Larig or L Rig. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, man, I wonder what, like, 
what the rigs are competitive in in the Wixaw scene. Mm-hmm. And there are so many that we don't get to oh, see. Yeah. Like v- VJ Wolf, MC Lion, <laughs> DJ Lovett. What? There's one there's one literally called Madoka. Um but does not look like Madoka. It's like a little robot thing. Um <laughs> Madoka, Musica, and Sanga. Uh Ray, Hirana, and Akino. None of these are are um I cannot believe fucking... that there's a little rig called McLovin that <laughs> <laughs> is not in the show. What are they thinking? Maybe that one came out after. What are they thinking? <laughs> Oh, we have to have Tama. Like, no, give me, get me DJ, whatever yeah, the fuck. DJ Funky Fresh and, and uh, <laughs> Funky Kong. All my favorite lyrics. MC Lion. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Again, it's like, I feel like it, it comes across as a show that's like not at all interested in the card game it's based off of. I have to hope in my heart of hearts that the other series, the Lost Storage series, is because it's written by different people cares a little bit more about how ridiculous the card game seems to be I, i'm still tempted to just buy a deck just to fucking understand the goddamn card yeah. game. <laughs> man this this uh page of uh, uh best deck decks for wixos none of them have tama in it my, my tama deck it's it's not competitive it's not meta yeah it's like learning as a kid like if, oh like dark magician isn't the best Yu-Gi-Oh card actually <laughs> like exodia decks are actually banned yeah <laughs> Uh, that's that's the wild thing like this this show it, it it it's it's made to advertise for the card game right yeah presumably because it fucking sucks oh yeah that. no this doesn't, doesn't make me it wanna... is awful the pokemon anime is better at advertising the pokemon card game than it is this like this is terrible for that yeah i felt more tempted to um uh get old digimon cards watching episodes of digimon tamers recently <laughs> i've thought about getting wixos <laughs> cards watching this show um there's another sound crimes counter that i have in this episode it just keeps happening there's one particularly bad one we'll get to but it's just like i don't know what yeah. the fucking sound designer was just thinking <laughs> in parts of the show it's not not all bad it's just like when it happens it happens you're like what were they thinking um which is kind of the motto for this show i guess um I think that's all I have uh, for this one. I do have a voice actor, since we do technically get a new character in this episode. Uh, the new Larig, uh, Milulun, is voiced by uh, Hidaka Rina. She is uh, Milam Nava in that time I got reincarnated as a slime. She is uh, Michiko in Michiko and Hachin, uh, Last Order in um, a certain magical index and a certain scientific railgun. Uh, she's Keiko in Sword Art Online. Nemesis in To Love Rue Darkness, Anko in Tamako Market, uh, Kozakura in Other Side Picnic. Um, forgive me, I wrote out her full name. Uh, she is Laura Apollodorus Hygienus Lemaire, aka Q Lemaire in um, uh, Tropical Rouge Precure. Love her, my queen. Um, she's Nagisa in Strike the Blood, Hanako in Yuru Yuri. Uh, Yukina in Rolling Girls and My Vlad trans uh, <laughs> uh, so transgender uh, My Vlad trans Transylvania. <laughs> it's like I say the word trans, and my brain's just like there's only one way that word can end. It's not Transylvania. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she's just My Vlad transgender in uh, Vlad Love. Um, Fucking Vlad Love, Jesus! Uh, I need to not think about that. Show. Oh. I only watched the first episode. <laughs> what a fucking wasted opportunity. Um, if you're interested, um, Hazel has made a good video on it. Just why it's a failure and 
could have very much not been a failure because it's like um it's um i think the project was headed by the usa Yatsura. yeah it's a uh, fucking uh, mamoru oshi the pat labor guy dude rules i watched the first episode the first episode kicked ass so i've been meaning to get back to it but it's a little disappointing to hear oh yeah um you're, you're fine to not mm. go back to it well, you know me i love to poison myself so we'll see <laughs> I... all right oh boy um mm. <laughs> this isn't a flat well podcast. You, you're welcome Let's to go, go down to on this episode. tangent if you want i won't stop you no like it like completely ditches any semblance of like the yuri romance uh, to get a bunch of fucking boomer jokes and... so it sucks i mean i was a little bit surprised to see that oh she was attached to it because i'm like this man is too old to be making this kind of show and i guess <laughs> i guess i wasn't wrong it really fucking yeah. shows from just watch pat labor the movie instead that should that should still rules um or or say yatsura um all right Episode three of the show we're actually watching is called uh, That Reunion is Unexpected. Um, at school, Ryuko briefly runs into Hanayo. Remember her. Um, <laughs> I guess Hanayo as Yuzuki. Remember her. Um, who tells her to keep on battling while Iona continues to try to convince Ryuko to go all out during their battles together. Uh, feeling that she only enjoyed battles when she was with Tama, Ryuko tries asking Iona for information on Tama's whereabouts. But all Yona can tell her is the name of the mysterious girl in the white space that Yuzuki met, uh, who is Mayu. Meanwhile, that in that same white space, Tama desires to see Ryuko again, despite warnings from Mayu, uh, who seems to, um, or uh, Tama seems to remember Mayu from some time long ago. Uh, later, Ryuko learns from Yuzuki and Hitoe that Akira is spreading rumors about Wixos uh, to bring out more selectors, eventually confessing that she uh, had fought against her. After scolding Ruko for acting on her own, Yuzuki and Hitoe state that they wouldn't be happy if she were to disappear and become a Larig, even if it were for their sake, and agree to help her search for Tama. Later, Ruko and the other girls come across Chiori, being challenged by Ulith, who now wields Tama as her Larig. And that's where the episode ends. What a shocking twist. So surprised. What? <laughs> I guess I didn't predict this in particular. It's like, it happened, it was like, yep, sure, okay. I guess we're out of the rigs. We can't, we already have the one new one. That's like completely inconsequential <laughs> who we got left back to the well. Oh yeah. It's just Tama. Yeah. She just, she just switched sides uh, because uh, Mayu can do that. I assume it's Mayu who, who can do that. I don't fucking know. Yeah. The show probably doesn't know yet. They, they haven't written it. Yeah. I thought it was very funny to be reminded because they do not show up in the other two episodes of the season. Like, Oh right. Yuzuki and Kazuki, they're still around being a couple. They have nothing to do in the plot <laughs> other than this one weird run-in with Ruko at the beginning of the episode, but it's just like, they should just be out of the show. <laughs> like, why are they on screen? I don't, I don't understand. It would be very funny if they were just in the background, like they're in some shopping center and they, like, they walk by in the background, never commented yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, you see them at, uh, eating at Burger Jack. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> we spent so much of this time on this incest plot in the first season and it's just completely fucking dropped. Yeah. I'm, um... We were talking earlier about, uh, you know, not understanding character motivations. Yusuke genuinely has zero. She voices no desires other than, I guess, to help out Ryuko and to help save Tama. I am so shocked that Yusuke is not like, hey, we gotta, we gotta do something to get me back in my body. Like, this is fucked up. I don't like being a card. <laughs> um, yeah, which she, like, when they're talking to Chiori in the first episode of this bunch, they, like, she's like, you you can't eat anymore, you can't go to school, you can't take a bath, you're just, like, in this, like, world. Like, you're just here. 
and it's like it sounds like hell like you like presumably can't sleep or maybe don't need to you're just like sitting there in this void waiting to be battling kind of thing and yeah she's like well i'm happy for for hanayo it's like whoa 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 she just tricked you into falling into like card game hell no (laughs) (laughs) like don't don't be happy for her be furious like do everything you can to get out of like because then you know let's say ruko is successful and she frees everyone from their from their card prisons like does everyone shuffle back to their original body like you know if someone's been in a card for 10 years do, do they go back to their original body and they just like had a blackout for the past 10 years like what's going on it's a, a deeply like fucked up situation for Yuzuki to be in, and yet she's just like, "Well, uh, my brother found found someone to love." Technically, me. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we talked about it last time. It's like it's like being like, "Oh, actually, if you think about it, Jigsaw really helped me out of a jam there by putting me in that death trap that I had to <laughs> gnaw my arm off to get out of." Uh, really taught me a good lesson there. You know, I wasn't appreciating life. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also important to emphasize that you know uh, eventually like ruko's wish or like her drive in the first uh season is uh hey this larig selector nonsense is fucked up uh my wish is to like undo that for everybody but now her motivation is much more singly singularly uh no i want to free tama it's not oh i'm gonna free everybody and as a result of that tama it's it's much more focused on tama so it's like yeah screw you yuzuki you can stay in the card forever um <laughs> you seem fine. Yeah, you're enjoying it. Not like Yuzuki is an actual character or anything compared to Tama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the the real um, curse of being put in a Wixos card. Is you just you just stop mattering to the plot. Um, I guess unless you're uh, the girl of black or somebody very important like that, which oh boy, we'll get to. Um, God. Um, also, this episode is where I realized I kind of hate how like foggy the show looks all the time. It feels like there's like a translucent white layer over everything. Mm-hmm. Mm. this is where it hit me it's just like mm, do you not like how the colors look at this show really i think i think the most praise we've heaped on the the design is i think austin last episode you were like well the or maybe it's the first episode of this bunch was like well the backgrounds look okay yeah like they they look like normal backgrounds i still stand by that that like the two things I can think of that I like about the production are the the backgrounds are still uh, nice and, and detailed, uh, and also um, I think all of the animation that Chiori gets is a lot of fun. Um, like clearly, whoever's animating her is like going a little bit more out, all out than any other character. Um, but other than that, yeah, like I don't think it's outright bad aesthetically, but I agree, like nothing nothing really doing it for me. They're they're just like, oh, it's it's winter time. That means everything is vignetted in white a little bit. Yeah. There's just a little bit of white on everything. They're in the just like winter. They're in the gridman town where actually if you step outside of Tokyo, there's there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. This is all uh God, I like that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Remember better shows? Um <laughs> Look, I can't, I can't pick a good show every time. I thought I thought about this. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I think my other picks were good. This this is this is a stinker. I will admit it. We've all had at least that's, one. That's stinker, true. I think so far, that's true. It's a rite <laughs> of passage. Um, <laughs> this is also, I guess, speaking of production, there is one thing I thought was outright bad. Um, in some of these episodes, it was this one particular, and I think one of the other ones. I think the storyboarding in this episode is atrocious. Like the way conversations are cut 
back and forth, especially anytime um, like Yuzuki or Iona are talking because they're literally like inside of cards. There's times where like they'll have lines that the scene has done nothing to set up visually, like where they are in the frame or where they are in the uh, like the setting, like even just a quick cut to like the character hanging around someone's neck on like their lanyard or whatever. Cause they're, you know, they're literally a card. I'm just like, this is just like really sloppily made, like no consideration made to like how, they're cutting back and forth between the dialogue and these things um, was just um, extremely impressed by how bad it was, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's not helped by the fact that some of the characters literally are just cards. So like, you know, you have a scene where someone's literally just like standing there with their arm outstretched because the character talking is actually the card that they're holding. And so like, they have to like really try to cut around it. And instead of doing like an effortful thing, there's like, nah, it's, it's fine. We'll just, We'll just kind of slapdash it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, we've got Akira uh, spreading uh, lies on the internet, or I guess they're real, but, you know, <laughs> telling lies about the selector stuff, uh, which I only mentioned just to point out her uh, Twitter at, or her fake Twitter at, which is Aki Lovely Urith Zero, because mm-hmm. again, subtlety is for cowards. Um, I also oh, have a note uh, that speaking is... Speaking uh, of Akira... Oh yeah, go ahead. Um... In the scene where Akira is like looking in the mirror, um, the the scar switches sides several times throughout that scene. That's so a, a a quick little note. Hmm. Um, they they I guess they just forgot what side yeah. her face was fucked up. And it, it, like I was like I had to pause and like go back a few times. I was like, wait a minute, isn't it on the like the left side of her face? It's like it is. They just kept flipping it back and forth. Yeah, because at first I was like, "Oh, it's it's in the mirror. That's that's why it's fucked up." But then, like, they cut to like her looking like at straight mirror. on. I'm like, "No, it's still fucked up. <laughs> it's still wrong." Huh. Yeah, it's it's like they didn't check continuity between like, "Oh, is the shot in the mirror or not?" Um, that's funny. Um, definitely feels, you know, it's a split core show. Like, I have to imagine by this point they're like finishing episodes like not too long before they air. So. You know some some production stuff you kind of have to forgive them for but um that's just more funny than, than they're anything. also they're also writing the the show right before it airs yeah like, oh shit oh shit yeah. mario kind of is like stephen king she, she doesn't even know where the show is going until she gets to the end <laughs> anything could happen uh wait you're telling me we forgot to put chiori at the end of season one okay we got to write in why we forgot to do that um what do you mean there's another selector? Oh shit, I guess I did write that one character. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's a moment where um, it's that scene where she's looking in the mirror where Akira goes, like she, I guess she's like saying to herself like what she would do for Ulith or whatever, and she's like, I'd even kill Ruko if she wanted me to. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like you know, I don't think the situation <laughs> calls for that, even if you are like a little, little fucked up. Uh, seems like a, a bridge too far to me. I mean, well, yeah, I guess when she was threatening him with a knife, I think she was just saying like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna start." Yeah, you I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, cut she you. Wasn't like, yeah, yeah. Um, God, I'm gonna fucking murder you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why that stood out to me, but it's just like made a note of it. It's like that's that's a bit of a stretch. Come on. Uh, well, especially because you know, it, I, I, I think the show is is less interested in remembering this. Um, and we we kind of we kind of lampshaded this, I guess, before. Um, these characters are like 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, something like that, you know, middle schoolers. Um, and we talked about how their um, uh, their wishes are all things that more or less could be achieved reasonably if, if they kind of put the effort in. And but like when you're like a teenager, 
not to shame any teenager, like, your feelings are valid, but sometimes things can seem like a much bigger deal that you, like, when you reflect on it, it's like, oh, actually, I, I could have done this differently, or, you know, things that seem impossible weren't necessarily, whatever. And, like, that makes sense. But then the show's like, but also, they're okay with murder. <laughs> yeah. For someone that I just kind of recently came around to being okay with, mm-hmm. and who was abusing me. Yeah, it's just a little strange. It's like, maybe didn't need to write it that way. Um, we get more Chiori being good at the end of this episode. I've got another line from her where she says, uh, uh, I think it's when, like, Tama's revealed or something like that. It's, like, right before she fights Ulith. So maybe it's that's it, before Tama's revealed. But she's like, is this the grand encounter of the beautiful selector warriors of love and courage? And I'm just like, man, stop <laughs> reminding me that the show needs to have Chiori as the main character. And it needs to be about all the, like, fantastical ideas Chiori has about what a Wixaw show could be because <laughs> um, that sounds so much better um i guess i found my other note of uh another scene in this episode that had particularly bad storyboarding is the scene where um it's hitoe and ruko and yuzuki in the diner talking to each other they're they're back at it again at bunnies uh the diner mm. <laughs> from the first season uh and um again just the way they cut back and forth between characters doesn't make any sense spatially and you never get like the only wide shot you get is the establishing shot of the exterior of the like family restaurant. Um, like I have no sense of like, are they sitting in the corner booth? Like, is it a packed restaurant? Are the only ones in there? Like there's just zero wide shots. It's all close-ups on their face. I'm just like, this is bad. This is not well-made. <laughs> um, I think for the most part, the show's just kind of mid in terms of production, but it was like this episode that really made me go like, Oh, part- parts of this are just bad. It's just not good. Um, I think that's it. It's another episode where not much happens, and then oh yeah, uh, Thomas, Yona's, Larig, Lamau. That that's the only thing that matters. In this. Yeah. Well, there was a long like exposition dump between Mayu and and Tama, where Tama's like, "I want to fight." Yeah. With, with Ruko, and and it's basically it's just it happened before. It's it's a it's a, a discussion where one character tells the other person how they're feeling because they just know, and the other character does not put up any protestations to it really at all. They're just like, yeah, you're right, I guess I am fucked up, or whatever. Like, it's a boring scene, where I was like, alright, let's get to the, the bunnies, let's go. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, uh, but crying really does make you hungry. Um, I think that's really important. <laughs> that's true. She, she really did that's a, speak that truth. For the audience, that's, that's something that they were eating, I think, at the, at the bunnies, and they started crying, and then so, man, crying really does make you hungry. Well, it's even funnier than that because, like, they they're at the restaurant and then they start crying, and then we cut to later them like walking on the street, and they go like, "Oh yeah, we actually didn't eat at Bunnies because we were too embarrassed because we started crying, but now we're hungry again because you know crying makes you hungry." And so they like like, "Oh, let's go get some street food or whatever." Uh, crying makes you hungry sounds like a fucking ping pong episode title. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to go to with uh with Pecco to like a to Bunnies after a ping pong match. That's the after Dragon and uh, or no, not Dragon. It's not the one who cries. Um, Demon. Yeah. Demon uh cries and goes to <laughs> to Bunnies with a uh, Dragon. Well, I'm, just, I'm just imagining Demon uh like crying into a bowl of ramen and he just says like, mm, "It's so salty," and then the episode ends. <laughs> God. God, I want to rewatch that show now. <laughs> uh, I was. <laughs> I mean, yes, but also I was gonna say for my next pick. God, I'm gonna write some ping pong uh, fan fiction. Um, oh my god. Uh, oh, one other thing um, I wanted to point out because um, we talked about uh, similarities to the show to Monica. I feel like 
by this season they've kind of run out of like things they can just crib directly from Monica, which is part of why i feel like uh whatever i could hold on to in the first season really fell apart for me in this batch of episodes but thought it was interesting that they they kind of make a point of it's like when yuzuki hitoe and um ruko are having their like heart to heart of like them being like no we're not allow gonna allow you to become a magical girl god who saves all the other magical girls we won't let you pull a monica uh, we wouldn't like it actually um i was like oh that's lame i you know for as much as the show is like just copying Monica, that's kind of the ending I wanted, right? Because <laughs> like it worked well in Monica. Um, but they're like, no, you're not going to become a Larig for us. We're going to find another way to do it. How? Who, who could well, say? Well, here's a here's a funny thing. You 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 sparked a flame in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, uh, season th- this whole series aired within tw- uh, 2014, and I was like, I wonder when Monica Rebellion. Movie three uh, uh, came out. It's twenty thirteen. I'm like, oh my god, they they did the uh, the Monica Rebellion ending instead of the Monica Monica <laughs> ending at the end of season one. And now they're basically writing what they think Monica movie four will be like. They're just trying to get in. They didn't realize they had a whole decade to write something. <laughs> <laughs> at least Monica movie four won't be as boring. Um. That movie will be anything but boring. Yeah, it'll it'll be anything but boring. Um, See, I'm just here for the fucking large amount of new Madoka doujins we'll get (laughs) once movie four comes out. The uh, regardless of whether or not we are doing this podcast in when however long from now, whenever movie four comes out, come on, ten years for all we know, we'll we'll definitely have to do something like with uh, the Ava 4.0. We're like, all right, yeah. drop everything. We need to talk about this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely that. And what's the other? Oh, I mean, I guess less importantly, but like there are other things like um, <laughs> the, the live action uh, Your Name movie, <laughs> whenever that comes out. Hopefully that gets like canceled. Oh, there's, God. there's still a good possibility. That... Is, is that going to get canceled? That's, that what's, that's what uh, yeah. Warner Brothers should have just written off as a tax expense or whatever stupid <laughs> fucking shit. Yeah. Um, oh, Martin Scorsese was right. Martin Scorsese's your name. <laughs> I've watched it. <laughs> no shame. Um, all right. Uh, episode four is called That Delusion is Raging. Um, by the way, I, I think the episode naming structure worked much better for me the first season. I couldn't tell you why, but with each new episode title I had to write down for this, I was like, these suck. These are not as good. <laughs> well, well, so, and I'm looking at the Wikipedia real quick. Um, the, the, I assume these are the official things. I think the, the fan sub ones are, like, almost like a literal translation. Like, it's literally, like, like so for uh, that Bond is feverish. So no Kizuna wa uh, Binetsu. Like, Kizuna is Bond. And I think it's literally, like, that Bond is feverish. Whereas the, the I guess the official thing is that feverish Bond. That accidental reunion, those wild delusions, this this silent beginning. So I, I like the the official titles a little more. Yeah, they definitely read a bit better. Um, yeah, in English. Anyway. Uh, but so episode four is called "That Delusion Is Raging." Um, as Tama reluctantly follows Ula's command to fight against Chiori, Ruko senses that Tama isn't having fun with uh, battling and apologizes for not sharing her true feelings with her before. After defeating Chiori, Ulith tells Ruko to battle her if she wants Tama back, though Tama urges her not to do so. Later, the girls hear Chiori mention a white garden that Yuzuki remembers as the room she ended up uh, in upon becoming a Larig, and asks to borrow her Wixos novel. 
which seems to be strange, or which seems to be strangely accurate to the secret of the little rigs. Determined to find the truth, the girls attempt to get in contact with the book's author, Fumio Futase, who they believe to be a selector with knowledge about Mayu. Later, as Ulith prepares to make further use of Akira, Ruko and the others receive a reply from Futase, who wishes to meet with them. Upon entering her house, the girls learn that Fumio Futase is actually a high school girl, and that is the bombshell that the episode ends on. My god, another teenage girl? I can't believe it. The... the the person we suspected to be a selector who has so far been entirely middle to high school girls. Wait, what? She's a high school girl? <laughs> Except I, I I, probably couldn't tell you anything that happened this episode because my ears were bleeding <laughs> yes. after the first 30 seconds of this. Um, I, I, I had not noticed uh, or not paid as much attention to the, the noise crimes because I just, you know, breezed past it. Uh, this was an assault. This was... <laughs> painful it sounded like it sounded like fucking tetsuo the iron man like i was watching that in the background or something like and for what it was like her writing a passage and then deleting it it was like basically like writer's block yeah it's like her writing like mayu over and over and over again or something like that yeah and it's just like scree it's like it literally sounds like industrial equipment like breaking down or getting jammed it's it's shockingly loud uh, and and not a good time. Uh, bad bad decision. <laughs> yeah, it's like what if the soundtrack for Tetsuo the Iron Man, but also it's mixed like two times as loud as the rest of the show, and also <laughs> we mixed in some dubstep. Um, <laughs> and also it's the beginning of the movie. It's like the first yes. thing you hear. <laughs> yeah, uh, I because you had warned us ahead of time. You watched these episodes uh, before uh, me and Danielle and. Uh, we're like, you know, oh, hey, episode four starts with, with some noise crimes. Um, and I had forgotten by the time I started, so I was, <laughs> I was caught off guard. <laughs> it's, it's my head. Um, and what's happening? Is that, are they bat- it's, uh Chiori battling Ulith? Yeah, Chiori battling Ulith and like, oh no, it's so sad. Tama's not enjoying herself. Her one defining character trait that she likes to battle. <laughs> um except for except for season one's finale but whatever yeah um and then uh i i like chiori just clearly not being good at the card game <laughs> um <laughs> she just easily loses like i i guess maybe that's meant to be like oh like lilith is so unstoppable with tama but it, it just comes across to me it's like yeah, chiori is like in way over her head uh but also um I guess she has to win to become a Larig. I was like, well, she's all in on becoming a Larig. We didn't talk about it. I think this was in one of the previous episodes, but she um, is like basically doodling her own Larig OC. Um, and it's great. Again, like this should just be a better show where that's like a lighthearted thing and not like, a, oh, this character doesn't understand the the heavy gravity of the situation. But it's it's good. I <laughs> like her doodling in her notebook. Well, and what? What's the name she comes up with? It's like, it's like chorizo. Something instead of chi- <laughs> yeah, something chorizo instead of chiori. It's like chorizo yori or something like that. And they're like chior. Like you mean like the sausage? And <laughs> she's like, no, that's my my OC, my Larig name. Like I have to think up of one. And and Eldor is like, no, I I don't think you do. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. She like names it, and she's like, oh, this is uh, chorizo, whatever, whatever, Mark Two, and you can see when she shows the doodle, like the back of the previous like, page is like the the failed yeah. Mark One. Uh, that was incredibly cute. I, I actually really liked. That. Yeah, it made me think a lot about Digimon Tamers. Has a lot of like characters drawing pictures of their Digimon, which is very cute and wholesome. But also like that's a show that could kind of match that 
that energy and that tone this it also just like kind of feels out of place with everything else that's going on um an another moment where the show just completely gaslighted me about my complaints um she again she always like just doesn't know what she's doing and um uh eldora her larig like turns around and says are you even paying attention to her cards effects uh and i'm just like show please <laughs> you can't do this to me like you don't care either <laughs> I swear, I put a, I put a fucking buy two starter decks and play a game with my girlfriend just so I understand what the fuck is going on. <laughs> this is a really good screenshot of Tama going, uh, this isn't fun. <laughs> She's looking all down, like, same Tama. <laughs> That's gonna be, you gotta save that one for the, uh, oh, 100%. the tweet. No. <laughs> I'm just waiting, our, our next episode's gonna be, like, four hours long because uh, Danielle will have, like, a full tutorial at the end, like... <laughs> Well, so what I've been doing in the past two weeks is learning how to play uh, Wixos, which, in case you're wondering, <laughs> first you have the Signies, and then the, the Signies have to grow, but not only to level oh, four. God. Once it gets to level five, who fucking knows? Uh, we'll get to that. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of being gaslit by the show. Um, but yeah, they have like a battle, and Chiori loses. Um, I don't know, Ulith. Uh, twirls her metaphorical mustache and then fucks off i guess i don't remember why <laughs> nothing matters um and then i didn't realize this um i guess until the, i didn't really think about this until this episode but the the name of uh mayu being like a rev revelation to these girls in the in these batch of episodes and then it's this episode that like uh Ruka's like oh mayu means cocoon and uh like oh show please <laughs> stop trying to do like imagery because there's all these shots with mayu of like moths and stuff uh, or like butterflies um it's like oh yeah doing a thing but it, it's not working as intended uh, you know who did it better Hugto precure pre oh <clears throat> i mean you're right like oh like all our names are french and yeah but my name's not and it's like oh it's actually french for wings it's like oh okay i was thinking you know who did it better uh weevil underwood when he Grew that big cocoon yes. in episode five of Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Perfectly ultimate great moth. Yeah, that that was good. <laughs> Thank you, Mar Mario Kata, for the mental uh, image. <laughs> um, also, great moment of um, they're like after Chiori loses, they all go back to like uh, Ruko's house, and um, Hitoe and Ruko are like in Ruko's bedroom, and then they walk out to the living room, and Chiori's like dueling ryuka's grandma and they mentioned that like she's lost like six times in a row to grandma and i'm like damn again mm. evil grandma she's she's just too good at wixos <laughs> there's something up with her also i, I love how chiori just comes over to her house to toy and ruka are in her room talking and chiori's like yeah i gotta play card games with yeah. grandma hell yes yeah. <laughs> silly well, it's like when you go to it's like when you go to someone's house, you know, and you're like, oh, you're like, your dad is like way cooler than you are. I'm actually going to like <laughs> hang in your dad's <laughs> den and watch baseball or whatever. <laughs> it, um, uh, uh, it, at this point I did go like, wait a minute, Chiori's wish is to become a Lorig. So like, if she loses, does she just become like double not a Lorig? Like just like super not Lorig? Hmm. Like is her curse literally just going to be, oh, I forgot how to play Wick Cross? even though I'm really bad at it now? Can she never read a manga again? Like, what's gonna happen? Yeah, that is... I didn't think about that. <laughs> I assume that's a question the show's not even gonna attempt to tackle. Um, <laughs> although I kind of hope it does, because I'd like to see whatever answer they come up with. Um, and then, yeah, they, like, 
you know, they are like, oh, hey, this light novel that has already been, like, mentioned multiple times in the series, maybe we should look into that, because uh, there's clearly something going on there, and then they look up the author, and it's like, oh, we've only published the two Wixos novels, and they're kind of secretive, and then they just, I guess, find her email address on her website, so not that secretive, <laughs> um, and are like, hey, can we meet? Mm. And she goes, yeah, sure, come on over, <laughs> and then they do. I think, I think the implication is that she only meets with someone who, like, yeah, indicates that they're a selector. It's like a honeypot for, for other selectors. Yeah. Which I guess, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I literally have nothing else for this episode other than, oh my god, she already knows something's going on with Grandma. <laughs> Where she says, like, oh, how do you know so much about Wickcross? <laughs> Which, again, could just be that Chori is so bad at Wickcross yeah. <laughs> that even her grandma could kick her ass. But. Uh, I just need... I think it's like, she's not that bad at it, it's just everyone we follow is better yeah. at her. Is That's better true. at the game. Grandma her. has played with Ruko a fair bit, so... I think if, if they're not going to do evil grandma, grandma needs a Larig. Um, <laughs> I just think it'd be funny to see grandma in, like, the the Wixos card fight void um, with all the... <laughs> Grandma loses her third game and immediately goes into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> Could already see it. <laughs> Gra- Grandma becomes a Larig, but it's not like youthful Grandma. Yeah, it's just great. an old lady in a leotard. <laughs> uh, that would be good. Uh, maybe uh, remember uh, it's kind of true about a lot of these episodes. Um, and I don't think this happened much in season one. One other production detail I do like is um, I think each of the, the card fights we do get in these episodes starts with like a bunch of lightning raining down over the battlefield. I don't know why that's happening when it wasn't happening before, but it's kind of sick. Um, so shout outs to that. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. Not a lot happens in, uh, in this episode. Uh, so we can move on. I... Which is shocking because <laughs> we've said that for the past four episodes. Uh-huh. Yep. I I basically have a note about it in each of these. It's like, wow, they sure are spinning their wheels. Can't wait for the plot to start happening. Mm. Um, which I guess a little bit starts to happen in the next episode. But um, before we move on all the way, I do have another voice actor, since uh, this is technically the appearance of Fumio Futase, who is voiced by Sakurai Harumi. Um, she is Yuri in Angel Beats. She is uh, Lisana Strauss in Fairy Tale. She is uh, Ruko in To Love Rue Darkness. And then, not everything else on her My Anime List page, but the vast majority of everything else on her My Anime List page is just a bunch of uh, like hentai. So, shout outs to her. I think that's cool. Oh, okay. Someone's got to do it. Um, but yeah. I liked her voice for what it's worth. I think she. Yeah. Um, I think there's a name for for this kind of voice but like it's like a kind of like a lower mm-hmm. deeper voice yeah um I don't, I don't know what the i've heard it i've heard it before and i, I don't remember the actual name for it is but um I, I like it i mean they're definitely going for like a tomboy thing like she even uses mm-hmm. boku right yeah but i just i there's like a name it's it the word is in japanese i don't remember yeah no but like that kind of totally right. register for voice actors yeah yeah and it's good it like you know, sells her as being like clearly older than the rest of the girls, even though like visually they're drawn very similarly. Similarly, um, it was, it was actually kind of funny because they're like, uh, I think it's not until the beginning of the next episode where they actually say like, "Oh, she's a high schooler." Um, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I'm like, I think she's probably a high schooler, given that she's writing novels and stuff. But <laughs> you, you mm. never know. Um, had plenty of anime do the reverse where it's like, oh, that's clearly a high schooler, and they go, and I'm in elementary school. <laughs> I'm in fifth grade or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, not this I time. think 
I think the funniest thing, like, just thinking about this, is, like, the the core cast being a bunch of middle school girls makes sense, but the fact that Wickross is apparently, like, a thing, and, like, the fact that, like, when they have the big selector meetup, there's not a bunch of, like, 20s to 30-year-old dudes there, too, yeah. kind of shocks me. They, they uh, again, Mario Kata may never have picked up or, or gone to a card game convention. Um, as someone who went to the Pokemon... Uh, North American International uh, Tournament. Uh, there was not just little kids there. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I mean they're definitely you know they're trying to sell uh, Wixos as a game that they obviously the the little rigs are called that because it's girl backwards. They're trying to like target that specific audience. So, you know, that's the you know real world reason why it's like that. Girls play show. card games too. Yeah, but I agree. It feels like out of place anytime you see someone in the show who's not like a high school middle school girl playing uh, Wixos. Which is why I thought it would have been really mm. funny if this mysterious author they were trying to meet was actually like a forty-year-old woman. Um, so it just would have been funny <laughs> as like a contrast to everything else in the show. Like, oh yeah, I've been a selector for I, the last twenty years. <laughs> do you, what if it was like uh, pants from uh, Eden of Eden of the East? Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> I would have liked that. Shouts that to so funny. Shouts to pants. Speaking of characters that. Uh, deserved better for the show they should have been a better show yeah we got it we'll, we'll eventually we'll like keep track of it and we'll, we'll we'll have to make up our own anime with all those characters yeah like a super sentai squad of characters that deserve better yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. all right um uh episode five is called this irritation is disillusionment i think this is the one that i was like these episode titles are a bit much uh Futase explains she is fully aware of Wixos's secrets, uh, but still desires to battle. She agrees to tell what she knows if someone can beat her in a battle. With Chiori already having two losses, Ruko steps in uh, to battle against Futase and her Larig on, uh, which I had to double check. Pretty sure they never mentioned that name in the actual episode. <laughs> um with Ruko struggling to bring out her full potential, Iona tells her that she needs to get serious if she has any hope of saving Tama. With this new determination, Ruko manages to grow Iona into a previously impossible level 5 Larig and win the battle. Futase then reveals that she herself was a Larig, whose selector was the real Fumio, uh, who initially wanted to achieve her wish of becoming an author by her own esteem. She eventually gave in to battling and soon became an eternal girl while Futase took Fumio's place, during which she overheard Mayu talk about a girl of black and a girl of white. Fumio now believes that the girl of black was referring to Iona. And that's the episode. Uh, this is what it means to go further beyond. She, she goes Super Saiyan level 5 Larig because, sure. Sure, sure it'd be nice to like know the rules uh-huh. before they break them. Like That's just how storytelling yeah, goes. Yeah, they literally did not know that there were levels up until now. Yeah, yeah. there's zero indication of there being levels or like, I guess you can maybe intuit that because they say grow each time. Some, I'll give them that. But there's never any indication of like how many levels one can grow to. So it's like, it just happens in this episode. They don't even like set it up to be like, like you would think there'd be a throwaway line of like, Oh, well, Yona's at level four, so that's as far as she's going to go. <laughs> to which you'd probably go, like, why did they point that out? And then, you know, then she can go level five. But it just happens, and you're like, okay, I guess that was a thing. Um, well, and I, I literally didn't know, like, visually that she had been, like, I know they say grow, but, like, I, I couldn't tell that she was, like, getting more stuff on her outfit. Mm-hmm. Which, quick side note, her outfit is not like a magical girl outfit. It's like a. 
hentai bathing suit. Like it's, it's like it's, a sexy mummy. In the yeah, and the way some of the shots are, it's like crotch up. Like I've seen these shots in hentai's where like they they like detail like the the abdomen and like everything. It's like this is weirdly sexual, but like not claiming to be in any way because it's like oh they're just battling now and it's like wait what's going on. Um, but like I literally couldn't tell that she was a level four or level five until level five when like she gets a bunch of like black wings on her body or whatever. Yeah, I was like, oh, finally you have character design changing. Great. Problem is you're only seeing from like the neck up at any point, uh-huh. so you can't really tell. Yeah, like, you talked about this last time of like like you know you could tell or like maybe you can't tell like in earlier episodes like by the time they reach level four which you didn't know that's what it was but like by the time they've grown enough uh you could tell like oh okay i guess tama looks different but whenever it's like jump from like say level one to level two the details are so minute that like you barely even register them um i'll say what i said last time about like this game or i guess this show needing a life point counter for the game they also could have used like a level counter or literally anything to indicate that that's what was happening um any of these other ones like it feels like a moment you would pop off for if you knew the rules even to a very small degree like that but because i didn't know there were levels until now it, it just doesn't do anything like it's like oh okay i guess i guess she's like passing her limits and going super saiyajin 3 like whatever <laughs> yeah if 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 um fuck uh on mm-hmm. and whatever um if she had not said wait a minute I've never seen someone go level five before. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought it was like that special of a thing. I would have been like, oh yeah, it's level five. Yeah, yeah whatever. Like, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't even get a good, like, you know, Goku scream, like when he goes Super Saiyan 3. It's just... Right? We've been down this path before anime. You can just, you can just do the Dragon Ball thing. It's fine. <laughs> um, I understand how, like, you know, like, uh, uh, animation history just falls out of the window whenever... <laughs> shows like this get made but it's like we've done this like you know we 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 on this podcast have joked about uh hidekiano uh just being like oh that shit i like from ultraman i'm just gonna put that in my my tv anime uh but actually that's cool and good people should do that so it's like you know do the dragon ball thing wixos i believe in you you could you could just do that like <laughs> that's what visual short yeah for. Well, like, fuck, like, even something as simple as, like, at one point she says, like, I banish whatever with whatever. Mm-hmm. I literally was like, you, you did what with who? Like, yeah. what, what does that mean? Like, is that part of growing? Is that part of the game? I don't even know. Yeah. There's also more sound crimes that happen when she does grow mm-hmm. to level five, just to point out. Yeah, and she, she like, berates Ruko into, like, stopping being such a moper. She's like, like, fi- like. To be fair, I'm glad someone finally said, like, "Hey, you got to get your head in the game. Like, uh-huh. can't keep waffling on this." But like, she's kind of like berates her until she's like, "Fine, fuck it, go level five, I guess. Whatever, fuck." Yeah. But like at this point, I just suffer the cruel fate. Like, <laughs> fuck it, just just wish reverse me at this point. I want to be out of the game. Yeah. My, my wish is to be uh out of out of the show. Um, <laughs> I the I well. I literally have in my notes that I I thought uh, throughout these episodes, especially in this one, that the conflict between Iona and Rico is just lame and boring. Um, especially after we went through a whole like, oh, is it good to battle or is it bad to battle thing in season one? Um, but I don't find like 
Iona's like plea to Ryuko to take things seriously any more or less compelling than literally any other time she's brought this up in this season so far. I don't understand why like this is the moment that like makes it make sense to Ryuko that she has to take things seriously. And it's funny too because it's like they call attention to it. They're like um like later in the episode or maybe it's next episode. Ryuko's literally like, oh, Iona's words really meant a lot to me. I I now understand what she's been asking me this whole time. I'm like she just said the same thing she's been saying every other episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, such a strange show such a messy show uh well and then thank god we get the remainder of the episode <laughs> basically being the recap of like uh futase's like backstory a character we we didn't know about until now um detailing a conclusion we already know that the larig takes over the body like the only pertinent part that like is new information is the girl in white girl in black bullshit it, I don't care about this character. I and it's not like a shocking moment. It's like, oh, and that like if if Yuzuki becoming a Larig had never happened, maybe this would be like a grand reveal where it's like, oh my god, you were a Larig and like you took over someone's body. That's insane. But we already know that. That happened fucking eighteen episodes ago or whatever. Like it's not it does not deserve to be an entire half of an episode or whatever of this lame backstory I don't care about. <laughs> Yeah, the one thing that it uh, ugh, the one thing that it does add is um which I guess might lock into place what they're going to maybe do with uh Hanayo in Yuzuki's body as the series concludes, but um they make a point of it being like, "Oh, well actually, it's pretty fucked up to be a Larig that takes over your selector's body. Like you kind of have to like live your whole life around their wish and that sucks and that's not cool." And so I assume the show is going to eventually go to like, actually, it sucks being Hanayo as Yuzuki and having to uh, continue this uh, taboo relationship with her brother, um, which is just, I think, could be interesting, but it's not. Also, in this why context. do they have to fulfill the wish? Like, we have no reason why yeah. the uh, Eternal Girls have to do anything once they Other than that's just the rules <laughs> until they don't matter. Well, and it's a. It's a very lame or I don't I want I don't want to say nihilist, but it's a very like single-minded way of approaching that concept. So the wish, let's say in this case, is for um what's her futase to be like a a, a public like a, a acclaimed author, mm -hmm. which clearly has happened or, or to some extent. I mean, I, I don't know which came first, the book or the like the novelization or the card game. But she's she's the novel writer for the novelization of a very popular card game. So clearly she is now an established author who's like also a recluse. But like it, it just takes it to mean like like that idea that the wish has to be like the singular point that your life now revolves around. Yeah. Is stupid. Yeah. Like that's not what being an author like do you think Stephen King just like sits in a fucking room? all day and just like clacks away because he's like oh i've written so many books but i could i could write another one i could write another one i could write another one. like no that's not like same with you know yuzuki falling in love with kazuki or what or vice versa it's like that's not what like a relationship is so like it shouldn't be like that's oh it's fucked up i gotta do that or whatever it's like no it should just be like oh yeah they fell in love and like now have the chance of a relationship all the incest problems aside like it's a weird way of approaching it's it's like trying to be fucked up but without like having any singular justification for doing so yeah 
it's like she can have a life outside of being an author the same way that Yuzuki can have a life outside of being in a relationship with her brother. Like, you, you don't just, like, no one is able to devote themselves to, like, one singular thing. Like, that's not how being a human in the world works. Um, so, like, but, like, I can... I can understand like the desire to as a, as the writer of the show to be like oh well you know it's you know it sucks to like get turned into a, a Larig, but it's probably not all that great to be on the other side either like that's fine but again like a lot of the show I think it's just like sloppily written it's not very convincing um or just kind of like it's it's also like a tone thing of like it's it's trying to like present this as like a hard edge but it's just kind of like no that's kind of confusing i don't get why that makes sense uh or i don't get why uh she doesn't you know have other feelings besides oh it sucks to have to devote x amount of time to writing books um i do kind of like yeah, the bit of like just... her having writer's block and that manifesting is like her obsessing over the mysterious girl she saw in the card game void um i think that's mm. neat but the, the stuff that comes out of that is not neat <laughs> with the girl of white and girl of black stuff yeah it just makes the whole like thing feel like everyone's being tricked like it's not like like at first it's like oh you'll be able to grant your wish or grant other people's wishes whatever and then oh if you lose you're gonna get the reverse of your wish okay that's like a stake okay like you have to win other like there you know there has to be a winner there has to be a loser by winning you're inherently condemning someone else to a bad fate Okay, that's like a heavy burden to put on someone. Okay, cool. Oh, but if you win, you also don't get your wish really directly. You 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 either have to fulfill another condition, or if you do that, you just have to become a card. Okay, well then, okay. But then if you're a card and then you get into that person's body, like, you get their wish. Like, so it's not like a perfect thing, but you get like a good trade. Oh, but that's also not the case. Like, it's also a bad situation. So it's like every layer is a bad thing. And it's like, what are you like? This is like a weird thing to throw in there where everyone's having a bad time <laughs> or like there's no good outcome to this. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to think that, like, well, the you know logical conclusion to fix all that is like, like destroy the system, right? Like get rid of Mayu, get rid of the card game, get rid of selectors and the rigs is like you know things like free everybody from that that system that imprisons everybody um which is a weird thing to put in your show that's trying to sell a card game to uh teenage girls <laughs> to be like actually the real thing to do is to not play the card game uh so i guess we'll see how that all yeah. plays out in the in the end of things but yeah also that that reminds me and this is i'm sorry this is jumping back to episode one but it's 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 kind of important because it has to do with wishes uh hitoe's wish was to get friends right uh-huh because she she's always she's always been a loner, never never had a good time, no friends, whatever. We find out in episode one of this season that she does have friends. They're just in Ayomori, yeah, and they're in Tokyo, I think. So it's it's like they're far away, but she has friends. <laughs> so I just wanted to harp on that real quick. Her wish is fucking stupid from the get go. <laughs> like her her wish, I guess, is I want to have friends in this city. Yeah. But like what? Like and she literally says like, oh, I. I wanted to have friends, but then I realized I had friends all along. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> what? Why'd you wish for that? It's so weird. And they weren't like, oh, they were my friends when they were like five. It's like, no, this is someone that I was in contact with. Mm -hmm. They were like my current friends. And I just was like, I got to join the magical girl game and get my wishes. <laughs> when she says like, God, she's like, oh, I finally wrote them back after how much time or whatever. And like, oh, it felt pretty good to do that. And I'm going to do it more often. And we're going to do this or that or whatever. It's like, 
Like, you what? Like, you're just now figuring that out? Very, very funny. And I also, while that happened, I, I thought that as well. And when that happened, had another just like, wait a minute, how did she go from, like, getting her wish reversed to not even be able to touch her friends to, like, now she's just cool again? And then I was just like, ah, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Who cares? None of the consequences yeah. actually <laughs> matter in this show. Like, all these characters that should be done with the card games are just in the card games. And yeah. The plot's really just needed like a well because you know what we really needed is we really needed uh presumably an embodiment of all that is good represented by white and an embodiment of all that is bad represented by black because uh, the show was just too complicated before we really needed to distill it down to something more simple god i i had a pretty negative reaction to this grand revelation of uh there being a, a girl of white and a girl of black and the girl of black can't become the girl of white and i'm just like jesus christ this is so stupid this is like like a 10 year old wrote this yeah and and iona the person who presumably is just a person oh she's actually the girl in black i think Ooh, and and again you know with with madoka they they have the the incubators with uh you may Nikki or like Future Diary, they have like a literal god of, of whatever the fuck camera what the thing is. In this, it's just like, who is Mayu? Why does she yeah. have these powers? I hope we find out in the next six episodes, and I hope it's not fucking stupid that she like she was the girl in black and white, but then became the girl that gir- then now, now there's two girls <laughs> and I'm just the Mayu one, and it's like Mayu means cocoon, and if you put white and black in a cocoon, you get a magical girl god or like it's so stupid yeah yeah it's very dumb this this show does a really bad job of um like breadcrumbing you to what any of the mysteries actually end up being just like i don't know how anybody would take this other than like this is dumb i'm gonna stop watching this show and watch i don't know whatever naruto is probably still on air at this Yu-Gi-Oh. point i'm just gonna watch naruto instead i'm gonna watch our Yu-Gi-Oh rerun yeah <laughs> let me let me see what was else was airing that um season um but yeah, i less excited now to see where it's all going if it's going this girl in white, girl in black direction, but you know, we'll see. It's it's The thing is, is like, the plot has to kick in at some point. Things have to start happening. <laughs> There's only six episodes left. Um, but uh, we, we what, can only hope. It, yeah, Shirobako was airing that season. Shirobako is a good show. Uh, <laughs> well, and once you start talking about like girl in white, girl in black, all these magical things, that sounds like like creation myth shit mm-hmm. like stuff that happened you know the shadow games of, of ancient egypt kind of level shit so for like it had like either that's the case and we're just now getting like oh yeah there's also like an actual god of this universe or it's going to be something that is just like buck wild so so we'll see <laughs> yeah we do get a, in a bit of like futasi's like story that she tells there's a bit about like oh many years ago the uh you know fairies came down from somewhere else and those are the little rigs and they bonded with selectors to make their wishes come true so there's like you know like definitely like a uh mythology to all of this uh that does exist whether we you know get any sort of unpacking of that or if it just you know all comes out in the wash who knows but um also on this list probably something way more relevant to uh Wickross is uh Yuki Yuna is a hero was airing the same season as Spread and that was by far the yeah. more popular Monica ripoff, uh, Monica inspired show. Um, well, speaking of Yuki Yuna as a hero, uh, I'm another voice actor. Um, 
An, who is Futase's Larig, uh, is voiced by Nagasuma Juri. Uh, she is Karin in Yukiuna is a Hero. Um, she's also uh, Shichimiya Satone in Love, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions Heartthrob. Uh, I think also the movie. Um, she's Kana in Tamako Market. She's uh, Kuragane Subaki in Boruto. And she's uh, Kuka in Princess Connect Season 2. Not a lot of credits uh, that were interesting. But she is in Yukiyuna. <laughs> um, all right, well, that brings us to the last episode for this bunch. Uh, episode 6 is called That Existence is Pitch Black. Uh, Futase further reveals uh, she feels burdened by Fumio's wish as she needs... I guess this was... We kind of jumped the horse on this now that I'm reading this, but it doesn't matter. Um, she needs to keep writing consistently to keep uh, it fulfilled, become a selector so that she could once again... Oh, she decides to become a selector again so that she could meet uh, once more with Mayu and find more material to write about. As Ruko becomes more determined to free all the rigs so that they don't have to suffer as eternal girls, she discovers Iona has suddenly come down with a fever and tries to do what she can to help her. Later that night, after Hitoe leaves Yuzuki with Ruko, she's confronted by Akira, who upon finding that she is unable to battle without her rig with her, takes her hostage in order to lure Ruko and Iona out. When Ruko arrives to... Uh, confront Akira, she discovers that her true opponent is actually Ulith, and that is the end of the episode. Um, Which, that doesn't make any sense. She she wants to meet Mayu again, but only Larigs meet Mayu. Mm -hmm. So, is she going to meet Mayu, become a Larig, become a person again, and then be yep, start I, writing again? I don't know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's a good question. Mm. And then, in, in your description... Iona comes down with a fever. She was, like, bullied by Mayu into having a fever, right? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, there's, like, a like, scene where they they talk. Like, it's implied that that's the cause, but she definitely has, like, a fever. Like, she's in, like, sweats and convulsions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which, apparently, that can happen to the rigs now. You know, Yuz or, yeah, Yuzuki was saying earlier that, oh, it's a, a terrible experience. You, you just sit here in the void. You don't really feel anything. You don't feel hungry. You can't eat. You can't smell. But I guess you can get a fever. Mm -hmm. sure yeah um yeah i feel like all of my notes about this are things we've already said about other episodes um which is just funny uh because <laughs> it's all it's all the same um i guess uh i you know did point out akira literally getting to do some joker shit in this episode kidnapping uh somebody to lure out batman i mean um ruko uh mm -hmm. so good for her i guess although you know this has kind of been happening since episode two when she kind of gets reintroduced but we we get all these these cuts to you know what's happening with akira and uh iona which is mostly just iona being extremely manipulative and shitty um uh, uh towards um uh akira um or I, maybe i said that wrong ulith being shitty towards akira um and my note in this one i guess it, i guess it just cropped off enough to get me to think about this as like um well, two things. One, um, all of my episode descriptions have been from Wikipedia, but I had to, uh, not heavily, but way more than I would normally have to edit them, because there were lots of mistakes, uh, like grammatical mistakes, spelling mistakes, or just like leaving out certain details that like you know needed to be in there. But one of the things I had to change was um, in the episode where Akira um, and uh, Ulith kind of have their relationship develop. Um, to me, and I assume to y'all as well. Uh, it, she admits like love and affection for uh 
Akira Ulith does. But the way the Wikipedia, whoever edited the Wikipedia page put it, is like confesses her admiration for her. I was like, fuck off. Like, no, that's not yeah. that's not the way to describe no, it. No, no, no. She's using like romantic feelings to manipulate Akira. Like and it's Yeah, no, like this batch episodes was much more romantically tinged between um Ulith and Akira, and even a little bit of Iona and Ruko. Like, I didn't mention this in the previous episodes, but some of those lines were definitely trying to be more romantic. Yeah, there, there, there are literal shots of, like, when they're in the van together, like I mentioned kind of offhand, like, Ulith, for one, she doesn't say admire, she says, like, adore you, I've always adored you. But also, like, she gets close to her, like, her leg goes oh, between yeah. it's very... uh, Akira's legs, mm-hmm. she... She comes up for a kiss and then licks her scar sensually. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's not vague at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, extremely uh, sexually suggestive. Um, but um, I guess, like I said, they cut to that enough that at this point in my notes, um, point out how it just kind of sucks that, like, the only way the show developed, like, any sort of queer relationship between characters is through, like, the lens of abuse. Um, I'm not saying that's, like, a line you can't cross in fiction or anything like that. I just think it's kind of lame that we can't have it otherwise. But it kind of does suck with, like, a large female cast. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> only thing we got. Like, I, I very much do like the, um, the, um, Ulith-Akira relationship in the show. It's, like, by far the, mo- the thing, like, I'm latching onto the most in these episodes. But yeah, kind of sucks that that's the only thing we get in here, and it feels really out of place in the show. <laughs> it, it it feels like, and I I don't know Mario Kada, I don't know anything about her sexuality or anything like that. It, it's 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 like written from like because this is like the only way that like this kind of ro- sorry one second someone's driving by with like a huge fucking bass. It's uh it's McLovit, MC Lovett. <laughs> there you go. But it's like. It's like something that's like, oh, I've I've like read a lot of BL. I've read a lot of Yuri. Like this is just like a normal like this is like this relationship happens and it's like, no, like come on Mari, like not quite. Like you you, you that's not like the only way you do that kind of thing. Um so it just it just didn't seem like interested in like going into that more kind of thing. It, it felt like out like an outsider writing a queer relationship or a straight person writing a queer relationship, I guess. I personally don't agree with that read on it. Mm. Um, Because, you know, there's plenty of queer people making, like, the kind of air quotes problematic stuff on their own. So I don't think that's a fair criticism to leverage like that. I still think it's fair to criticize it not fitting into the show or whatever, but I don't think that line of criticism is very fair. I think it's just because it's the only time it crops up in the show like it, it's 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 not like more developed like you would see in other pieces of work i guess yeah that i guess i might have misunderstood what you were trying to no, say I, no i, like, I, I get yeah, what you're saying though saying it's undeveloped is um a fair criticism but um yeah sorry i get kind of no that's totally you're totally fair i get a little bit defensive about that being like the oh i I'm sure y'all see all the stuff online about like discussing what is good queer rep and what isn't. Boy, do I. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like a like abusive relationship is necessarily like oh we can't have this kind of queer rep type thing. Never, never no, mind. Fine. I'm getting off uh, track. No, you're, you're totally fair, and I, I I do like I do think that that that's perfectly valid queer rep. I just it it just doesn't read in this as like I don't know. 
it just it just wasn't as developed or wasn't as it didn't feel like it was being written from someone who's like experienced with it. I don't know. It just did it just didn't come across in the way that like other representations of this of a similar relationship I've seen in media, I guess. I guess my take on it, and again, just to be fully clear, like I think this is a line you can cross. You're allowed to be as messy as you want to. But also, like, the people who read and react to your work don't have to also be on the same page with how messy you want to be. That's beside the point. My kind of read on this uh, was two things. One is my experience with Mario Kata's stuff lends me to just see a lot of her stuff through the cynicism and nihilism that kind of permeates a lot of her other works that we talked about before. And to me, this comes kind of born out of that, um, which is also kind of why I find it, like, frustrating because, like, that's a level of, like, you know uh nihilism around like queer relationships that i don't enjoy i don't think it goes like across the line for me personally i think it's just mostly uninteresting like we talked about before but it's it's definitely something you know weighing in the back of my mind and the other thing i think maybe to like your point uh danny is like it's not like uh you know like i don't know enough about mario kata as a person i just know her works um or some of her works but it comes across to me as uh the abuse is being centered more than the queerness of the relationship and that's to me where it kind of doesn't like i wouldn't say like authentic or unauthentically queer but why it doesn't come across to me as a kind of queer narrative i'm interested in because it doesn't feel like the queerness of it is the center it it's just like oh it's abuse between these two characters and also they just happen to be girls because that's the cast of the show like i think if like i don't i don't think the interest in writing these two characters this way feels like it was born out of wanting to put two girls in love with each other, but have it be messy and complicated and abusive. It comes more out of like, oh, I just want this character to be abusive to another character, um, like kind of irrespective of who the yeah. other character is. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that- I, 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 I didn't frame my my perspective well enough. That I think that really encapsulates it, like the the focus of the relationship. Like this, yeah, this kind of thing is very difficult to um, articulate properly. For me, especially. Hey, Castell just wrote a pretty good article <laughs> on this. You should go read oh. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go read sure. their stuff. There you go. Yeah, that's why it helps to do a podcast like this with three people, because we could all kind of help each other talk through our points, especially because, like, it's kind of easy to get lost in the sauce on the show. Uh, I definitely watch. I watched all six of these episodes in one night, um, which I don't know if I fully <laughs> think was a good idea. But I definitely finished it. I was like, man, what the what the fuck are we going to talk about? <laughs> but then it all, you know, kind of comes out <laughs> when we bounce off each other. And that's nice. Yeah. Just just coming back to what Danny was saying is like there's lots of pieces in here that could be part of a good show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> same same thing going back to Rebellion, same thing. It's like I we're not I didn't need a like super clean ending to Rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's just the particulars of it rubbed mm-hmm. me the wrong way. Right. Cause there's a way to do like Homura becomes a little shitty, but it's still like, you know, very focused on the her like queerness mm-hmm. like there's ways to do it like that aren't just like a happy ending of going to heaven and kissing magical girl Although, God. like <laughs> yes i've read those oceans mm-hmm. they're good <laughs> but it's, yeah it's just the particulars of this and rebellion just do not come together in a satisfying way which sucks because there's like stuff here i mm-hmm. do really like and I, I guess it's just, like, because these things are, like, so close to, I don't know, I guess it's, like, almost more disappointing to see uh, pieces of art that, like, come close to being something I really like mm. than something that's yeah. just not for me. It doesn't even try at all. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. this kind of relationship has been done before and better, 
um, in me- in media. Um, so yeah, go go seek that out, uh, listeners. Go go read uh, Kitanai Kimiga Ichiban Kawaii, and watch uh, Polar <laughs> Bear Cafe. If you're looking for some very fucked up Yuri. <laughs> oh, not Polar Bear Cafe is not a fucked up Yuri, but if you depending on what you're what you're going for, you have your options. It's two sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, uh, relationships, uh, this episode did get me thinking about, you know, Fumio being like, I feel burdened by having to write constantly, which I feel like, again, probably not a good response, but whatever. Um, but it made me realize, you know who, like, doesn't necessarily like the position she's in? Hanayo. Yeah. She doesn't necessarily love Kazuki. <laughs> like, as far as she's concerned, Kazuki's kind of a stranger. And it's well, like she has to kind of be in this, like, incest relationship with him. Yeah, but of course, a, all I we've mean, gotten with her so far this season is um, that quick little bit in episode three where we see them together and she runs into Yuko in the hall and that's it. There's no, like, internalizing of, here's how I feel about the situation I'm in. She's just in it. She's just, like, been in that situation since, uh, like, episode nine of the last season. Um, and we, we get, like, no thoughts and feelings about, like, how she feels about that whole ordeal like maybe she thinks it's great maybe she's like actually you know what your brother's a nice guy um and i don't feel weird mm. about it because he's not technically my brother he's your brother yeah all, all, all you need is like one little line from like an internal monologue from her like literally just her saying either this is for you yuzuki i'm sorry yuzuki or like finally yuzuki i can fuck your brother like yeah those three op- those are your three options of what you can like have like establish her mind state as of like I'm like I don't want to do this but I'm doing it for you like I feel really bad or like I'm into this actually like but instead it's just like oh yeah uh you know how how's like she- earlier in this batch where like they run into her and she's like oh how is she doing it's like what do you care <laughs> like you 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 up until now have not cared yeah you've been like, really shitty about it actually <laughs> it makes me think um kind of maybe like a broader wrapper for some of our complaints about like you know character motivation or whatever i guess i'll specifically say my complaints uh not to be too presumptive but like uh this is a show like i think early on in our discussion like the first six episodes i maybe called the show a melodrama at this point i would say it's not a melodrama because if it were we would get way more of the characters like vocalizing how they feel about the situations there's in and being much more forthright about here are my goals and my wants and desires and you know being more outward about wanting to achieve those things um and the show desperately needs that it just desperately needs like whether it's eternal monologue or just characters being more willing to open up to other characters about how they think and feel about what's going on in the show but instead it's just like revelatory things happen and it's left for us the audience to mostly have the emotional reaction to it and i just don't care about the stakes or slash don't know what the stakes are um so it just doesn't work it it desperately needs to have these show the, these characters like vocalize how they're um feeling about things yeah at this point someone vocalizing how they feel wouldn't even really be me- melodrama It'd just be like storytelling at this point yeah but i mean like that's like, the melodramatic uh, mode of like characters being uh outward about their emotions right um putting that like directly yeah. into the text um and it just like yeah because uh, you know we talked about this before this the show is like trying to be like you know in a broad sense like Hey, it's like weird and and messy being a teenager, especially if like weird card game things are happening too. 
Uh, and for that to work, I think it like has to be a melodrama. Uh, and for whatever reason, they decided not to make the show that way. Yeah. Look at Riverdale and why Riverdale is as popular as it is, because that's a show that has all sorts of ridiculous lore, magic bullshit happening. But it's also a show where Archie will just tell you, like, my one true desire is to stop the comet from <laughs> from coming down on my town or whatever the fuck is going on in that show. Right. Like, that's definitely a show that is, like, characters' outwards desires, like, being expressed at every moment. It's just the, the stakes and the plot are fucking ridiculous. Um, but I digress. I, don't, I think that's that's I, all I got. I do want to. I have one more thing okay. um, that I laughed out loud at um, when when Iona has a fever. She's like she like falls asleep in the card, and when she oh. wakes up, there's a little blanket on <laughs> <Yeah>. her. <laughs> like Ruko's like, oh, I'll I'll get a uh, cold medicine for you, and Yuzuki's like, well, how are you going to give it to her? And she's like, oh yeah, you're right. And then later, you cut to her being covered by a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's funny. I guess I had one more thing uh, to, to leave us on this episode. Um, just another example of me thinking the writing sucks uh, that I put into my notes. Uh, this is a direct quote. This is Mayu talking to Iona before Iona like, falls sick with her fever. Um, she says to her, you're the black one, so you're bound to hate all that's white. I'm like, yeah, a 10-year-old wrote this. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Which... Like Iona is the Joker. She like she should literally just be like fuck you. I don't care. Like yeah, it should be like water coming off her back. But instead, she gets feverized by it. Yeah. God. All right. Um. Well, let's talk about uh, hopefully some better anime that we've all been watching. Um. Danielle, why don't you go first? Um. God, I don't remember what I talked about from the last time. Uh. Started watching Licorice Recoil. Um. I'm really enjoying it um seeing the two leads flirt with each other <laughs> um yeah i don't really have much to say there other than action scenes all look pretty nice i do like the two leads chemistry glad excited to see i'm not gonna lie goes. i was gonna watch that show until i realized it was an action show and not like a slice of life show about girls working at like a cafe so little little bit of schadenfreude or not schadenfreude that's not the right word for it but like i feel a little bit of a pang every time i see people tweeting about that show i'm like i'm like oh this is the popular one this season <laughs> the show i just immediately i saw the the one uh pv that ended with them like p posing with guns i'm like oh it's that kind of show F fuck that <laughs> i'm good aside from that i haven't been watching too much anime but um i have been putting a lot of time into reading super heavy condolences <laughs> hey i bought that game when it came out and i'm finally getting around to reading it more and um i'm honestly kind of glad i waited to read it until i did because i feel like i'm getting a lot more out of it now than i would have back then um difficult for me to um articulate thoughts about it so far because i'm still um not entirely sure where it's going <laughs> But I'm still very interested to see where it comes out. I'm sure I will um, check back in with that one next time. Though um, I think I'm on part four out of seven. So making my way through. Um, from what I can tell, part three is the longest. That one definitely did drag. And it is also kind of a bummer switching POVs from a lesbian to a shitty dude. Even though that like the point is he's awful. But... Uh, yeah, enjoying my time with it so far. Excited to see where it goes. We'll check back in with that one later. 
All right, uh, Danny, how about you? Um, I haven't been watching anything, but I've been playing through Digimon Survive. Aha. Which um, is an interesting thing. Uh, I'm not finished with it, but still spoilers. Uh, if anyone cares, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, I've never seen a, a, one of the Digimon trainers get, like, killed. <laughs> So that was kind of wild, um, like graphically killed in front of you, um, and like all the other characters are there, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Um, like one person is like, "Oh, they get kind of pulled off into this void," and like the character, like your character says, like one thing I know for sure is he died. And it's like, okay, so that is death. That's not just like being teleported somewhere. The other person gets eaten, and it's like, oh fuck, oh. <laughs> like graphically, like bitten in half kind of thing um and you're like holy shit like but the problem is that the the game really wants you to make like really wants you to feel bad about it and like all the characters are dealing with the trauma and like oh it's uh, we could have done something better we could we could have saved them kind of thing mechanically i know that's not true mechanically i know you have to go through new game plus to save them which is kind of lame but like within even within the narrative i'm just like no fuck those guys like one of them the entire like one of them was just like belligerent the entire time and like was very much like you know shitting on his digimon like you know oh fuck you like you're you're nothing like get out of here kind of thing yeah he does the other one was like abusive yeah well the other one was like abusive towards like he's like i'm the leader like you know we can't like he was like very very much like frozen by fear and like trying to like we let's just not do nothing like let's just do nothing and like get we'll get rescued eventually like oh we can't take all these risks like oh all these responsibilities are on me and it's like um like no like for one, you're not making all these decisions. Like the player character is very much the one who's like been voicing the decisions all most of the time. But like then he like the entire time he has uh, his Digimon partner is Lopmon, which is like the big eared one, looks like a Terriermon but darker, I think. And um, oh yeah, he just like tre- treats him like shit the entire time, calling him useless, mm. saying like oh you're so fucking terrible, da 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 da. And like what finally breaks him is he like is like literally hitting him over and over again to try to get like like why can't you evolve why can't you evolve and this is after every other character is basically set out right the bond you have with your digimon is what dictates how powerful they are but he's still like just beating the shit out of lotmon and he he digivolves into a monster that uh then eats him and and again the game's like oh my god i can't believe this happened like oh da 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 i'm like Fuck those guys. Fuck them. They suck. Like, awful, awful characters. I'm glad they got eaten. That's fine. But the game just really wants you to feel bad about it. Um, plus, the game is, like, ridiculously easy. I've not had to grind at all. And I could basically, if I wanted to, set all the battles to auto-battle. Mm. Um, with, like, no issue at all. There's no, like, real tactics in it. You basically just digivolve to your ultimate form, or whatever the highest form you have available. And you, you basically win within two turns. Um... <laughs> So there are, I'm on normal, and from what I've seen, because you could change it battle by battle, um, from what I've seen, hard changes the lose condition. So like, if, if on normal, the lose condition is everyone dies, the lose condition might be like two people die kind of thing. But even with that, like, I, I did a few levels on hard, and it, it really didn't do anything. <laughs> like, it just made it last the battles last a little longer but not in a way where i was like "Ooh, that was a close one it was just like mm. oh i need to spam the attack a little more um so a little disappointed in it um the story is still interesting like there's some interesting stuff going on there where it is like a a little more hard-edged like it's not like oh we got 
transported to the digital world and like we're you know we're camping with our digimon it's like everyone's like you know fucking terrified and like they bond with their digimon but then like someone dies and like they have to like deal with that trauma and like there's like interesting stuff going on there but then occasionally just one character acts like a horrible asshole and i'm like i don't care about you anymore like you're it because they didn't start out as like a really nice guy and then became an asshole and like died that would be one thing where it's like oh man like this character used to be so good but like then the fear got to them or whatever but they kind of start bad and end bad mm. and it makes me not want to go back and like save them because i don't care about them yeah so we'll see if i do a new game plus it, there is a true route that requires you to save everyone apparently um so i guess if i want to see the real end of the story i'll have to play through it again but at that point, I'd basically be skipping all the dialogue just to get to the new stuff. So I don't know. Seems uh, lame. Not the best VN I've played. Mm. And it's like a tactics game. It is mostly a VN for like the rest of it, right? Yeah. Okay. But the the tactics game, it's not like an like an open world thing where you go around, then you're in a tactics battle. It's literally like VN, VN, VN. Yeah. Oh, here's a battle. Yeah. VN, VN, VN. Like so. There's some interesting stuff going on there. Some of the characters are are neat, um, but it's it's not the best Digimon game I've played. I'll say that. That's still reserved for Digimon World One uh, for the PlayStation One. Anything else or, has come close, or just uh, just Digimon? Nope, that, that, that's it. Well, speaking of Digimon, uh, Digimon Tamers might be the greatest show ever made. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the uh, the headspace I'm in right now. I'm, I'm still watching that, uh, which I only mentioned just because like man that show is good if you want the opposite of what danny just described of instead of people being little shits to their digimon like the thesis of digimon tamer is that uh gilmon is the most perfect little boy that ever existed and everybody should lay down their life to protect him uh i love him so much um i watched the show when i was a kid and it's all coming back to me watching the show just how like emotionally this show destroyed me as like a 10 year old or whatever uh with all the stuff with gilmon he is just too pure and cute and perfect for this world uh, love him uh and other stuff uh i started uh the last of the shows i'm watching this season of anime um because uh, it aired a little bit later than most other things uh the maid i recently hired is mysterious which is uh an adaptation of a wakame kanbo or kanbu um uh, manga which i've not read the manga i've actually not read uh any of her manga but i did watch um oh god what's the name of the show jahi uh i watched that show uh, a couple seasons back really liked it just thought it was very funny um like the characters so i was like yeah i'll watch this other show i like the voice cast <clears throat> uh of it as well um it's it's kind of mid so far it's like lightly funny um, I think the character designs are pretty good, um, but so far there's only a few characters. Seems like the episode that aired today, as we're recording, that I haven't had the chance to watch yet, at least introduces one new character. Um, but it definitely feels like a show that needs to like open up a bit more in terms of its its cast um, to really uh, be as enjoyable as as Jahi was. Um, but it's 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 cool. Yeah, I am a bit surprised that got like a full length adaptation because the bits of the manga I remember reading felt very mm-hmm. slight. Not that they were like bad or anything, but it's just like this is, would be like a short, not a yeah. It ca- the episodes kind of drag uh, a bit, um, but we'll see. I'm I'm sticking with it for now. It's not like bad enough that I'll like uh, drop it anytime soon. Just just kind of mid, just fine. I'm not watching much else this season, so I don't feel like I need to make room for other things. 
Um, and then I finally started the next uh, Votums uh, thing on my list of watching all of Votums, which is uh, kind of a spinoff OVA series called Armor Hunter Mellow Link. I've watched the first two episodes. Uh, I kind of actually mentioned it earlier when we were talking about, or actually, no, this is off mic. We were talking about, <laughs> uh, we'll leave it unsaid, but it was very funny. Um, Armor Hunter Mellow Link, the pitch on it is like, what if a mech show about somebody that hunted down mechs um kind of like uh with without getting in a mech themselves like an unpiloted kind of mech fighter so they use a lot of like um anti-tank uh t- style weaponry and stuff it's extremely cool um it's got that great like 80s ova budget even if um it hasn't been very well preserved over the years so the the available masters kind of look like ass but yeah the production of the show itself was really good um it's not like groundbreaking or anything in terms of like plot it's kind of just a simple revenge story each episode at least so far that i've watched is just the main character mellow link um hunting down different mech pilots that were kind of part of a uh, uh like a unit that kind of screwed his unit over um uh but it's good uh the voice cast is really good um akio uh otsuka um, who is Japanese Solid Snake and the new voice actor for Jigen, amongst like a bunch of other uh, things over the years, is one of the main characters. Um, but it's just really fucking good. I'm happy with it after the first couple of Votum's OVAs kind of being a little bit uh, unnecessary and, and kind of boring. Um, this one's really good, so I'm going to keep watching that uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, and then last thing to shout out is uh, I read the most recent volume of Witch Hat uh, Allier, which came out recently. And um, uh, I want to shout out just because, one, I, I've mentioned it before. It's really fucking good. Uh, if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. Um, but also, shout outs to this most recent volume for actually having like a content warning um, for one chapter which I don't think I've ever seen in an officially published like English volume of manga before. Um, and it was like perfectly descriptive of like what happens in that chapter and, you know, goes out to say like, Hey, you know, this, this chapter you're, you're about to come on is like totally skippable. If like, you know, the content warning raises some flags for you, like you're totally good to just skip to this page number. If you don't want to read it, like you're not going to miss much uh, or you're not going to miss anything like super plot relevant, uh, which I just thought was neat. I think I've read plenty of manga that could have used those that didn't use them. So more of that in the future please i think it's i think it's cool yeah uh the only th- other thing i could think of that i've seen personally is in nagata kabi's my wound wandering warrior experience um just her most recent uh release um there's a a small little content warning saying like hey the next few pages are going to describe this go to this page if you want to skip that kind of thing um which I, I really appreciated that too, because it's like, oh, like, it, I, I did read it, and I could definitely see, like, if, because it described in detail an event, like, in a, in a, not like in a set, like a sexual way or anything like that, but like in a matter of fact way that's like really hard to read. Like, you know, and I can imagine that there are some people who just desperately would not want to read that, but would still want to enjoy the, the story. Um, so yeah, content warnings in, in manga, a, a plus idea. Yeah. Took me took me by surprise, but it was it was very very welcome. Um, and definitely not like a. I mean, like you know, I think if you if you feel like something needs a content warning, give it a content warning. But it 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 was definitely something that was like substantial in a way that I was like, oh yeah, if this was something that personally was um a kind of thing I didn't want to read, I would be very happy that there was a content warning there and not just go into it unsuspecting because it doesn't really signpost it either, uh, other than the content warning. Um, 
like the story doesn't like you don't really know what that chapter is about until you read it um yeah that was that was it for me i feel like i didn't watch as much anime i've been uh watching submarine movies and reading stephen king <laughs> instead i guess <laughs> um but yeah i think that'll do it for... inside you there are two wolves yeah <laughs> exactly uh oh no this one wolf it's uh, stephen king on a submarine um oh my god but uh i think i'll do it for us i don't think we got any questions this time but you can email us at under the anime at gmail.com or dm us directly on twitter we're at under the kotatsu go follow us on twitter if you haven't uh you can find me on twitter at chai underscore squared uh where can people find you danielle i am at lesbunny on twitter with one n and danny where can people find you find me at cover me and sauce on twitter all right well join us next time for the final six episodes of selector wick sauce the last six episodes of selector spread wick sauce to be particular uh the summer of wick sauce comes to a close and we'll get to learn we'll get to learn the new the next uh the next show ne- uh oh so yes danielle hope you have something yeah. primed up can't see it but i'm rubbing uh, my hands together yeah it might be a little bit different than the standard oh my god i'm excited y'all i've talked to you about this one like it's just the format's gonna be a bit different oh. i feel like it's important to get the the full part of okay it. i'm excited the curse of yuri adaptations is to not be a complete adaptation <laughs> there's your hint <laughs> uh all right but that'll do it for us this time danielle why don't you take us out of here yeah so uh be crimes do gay card games they have rules sometimes not in the show <laughs> <laughs> no